The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. What's going on, everybody? This is Dex with the I Am Pits podcast, and I'm back for another episode. And just best believe and know that your boy is still in the struggle, and it's been a long and rough week. As y'all, if y'all follow me on my Instagram, I Am Pits One on Instagram, put up a little video of me in the VA hospital. You know, I tried to tough it out, and I was, you know, I was sick. Couldn't believe I was sick again after being sick for over a month. After returning back from Florida in December, man, and I didn't know what it was, but I went to the hospital and found out I have RSV, and I mean, man, my chest was hurting, my hacking up all this green stuff and throat, my voice sounded horrible, man, and my the congestion in my ears, my ears are still hurting, man, and like just sinus pressure, so hurting, but yet I was like, you know what, I gotta put out a show, man, it's been too long since the people have heard my voice. We've had too much going on in Louisville this past week and in this country. And I was like, you know what? Now's a good time. It's a Monday night. Everybody's in bed. The kids are asleep. Thank God. And I was like, hey, let me go ahead and down here and get into the studio. So pardon me if I if I sound a little off, if I sound a little slow and a little low energy. You know, hey, I'm happy to be back in front of the mic. But like I said, I am in the midst of a struggle. So I'm battling sickness, and not only am I battling sickness, I'm also battling the federal government because it's tax season and the feds is on some BS, man. I got my taxes back, and I looked at my my numbers, and I said, man, you got to be joking me. How much do I got to pay these fools this year? And I've had it before. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> you know, but I, And I've had it before where I've had to pay a lot back in taxes, and they got me again this year. It's been a while, but man, yeah, I, they definitely got me this year. And I'm just looking at how much I got to pay back. And, you know, it's so weird. You work so hard to do the right thing to where you don't have to live off the government and you don't want the government's assistance, but you have, they take all your damn money when you work hard. It drives me crazy. Republican or get Democrat, it don't matter. I think we can all agree that we want our money. Dear Uncle Sam, get your hands out of my damn pocket. Man, it's just so unreal, dude. It, and it just makes me so mad just looking at how much I'm going to be paying out this year. And I'm like, dude, this is my, this is my, not just money, but this is time away from my family. And here comes the federal government just coming along. They're going to take my money and give it to Ukraine, even though I don't agree with, the, with what they're doing over in Ukraine. They're funding pensions over in Ukraine, the Ukrainian pension. But they're not funding their own people. You know, I told my buddy, I was like, man, they better be building damn monuments of my black ass over in Ukraine while they're doing, you know, spending all my damn hard-earned tax money. It, they're just taking it, and nobody has agreed to give this money to Ukraine. It's just a couple 500 people in Washington, D.C. that decided to take all of our hard-earned American money and just give it to this cause that nobody really seems to care about or agree with. You know, it just pisses me off, you know. And you know, paying taxes, man, it really makes me want to 
play the race card and be a victim, man. <laughs> be, be a Democrat. <laughs> I feel like if I was a victim, a black victim and a Democrat, I might have more money in my pocket. You know, they, they, the government might feel a little bit more sad for me and stop taking so much of my damn money. But that's not the type of guy I am and that's not the person I'm going to be. I'm never going to play the victim. I'm never just going to point figures and blame it on everybody else. It's, it's everybody else's fault except mine. You know, so it is what it is. I, I did the extra work. I worked the extra side jobs. Because the, I tell people the weird thing is I've got the money to pay the federal government. Trust me when I tell y'all the Pitts family is doing well financially. Life is wonderful. Life is great. I really don't have any problems. But just because I got the money doesn't mean I want to give you my damn money. You know, it's, it's, it's the principle of the matter. I don't want to give this money to you. This is my money. You know, so I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to pay it. I hope, you're, hope my FBI and IRS agents are out there listening. Yeah, I'm going to pay it. But I'm going to pay it with, ooh, with malice. And just know that I'm giving you the middle finger, the double bird, bro. As y'all, as I sign this check to the United States government. I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it one more time. Y'all can kiss my black ass, taking all my damn money. But I can tell you who I'm not going to say Y'all can kiss my black ass, too. That is my homeboys on social media with the meme pages. Man, I made a video the other night. And it kind of went, it got up uh, it got up there a little bit, man. I woke up after I posted this video, and the next thing you know, my followers on my Instagram page, I finally went from like 800 to like over 1,000. I've been trying to do that forever. Yo, but I made a quick video on my police car, and I was like, man, you know what? I'm not worried about the DOJ or these you know, BLM or these left-leaning organizations, you know who I'm worried about? These Facebook or these uh, Instagram cop meme pages, man. Dude, I, <laughs> that video, I ain't going to say it went viral, but it it went viral for me personally. And, and I gained a whole bunch of new followers. But am I lying when I tell you all that? That every cop should be afraid of these meme pages, dude. Every cop. Yeah, because the moment you do something stupid while in uniform, on or off duty and they get a whiff of it man the meme squad comes out and the meme squad is mean i'm talking 10 8 you know poorly made police memes you know parking lot patrol disorderly conduct meme pages and i mean man my boy secret agent memes man i mean the list of people these meme pages go on and on and on and on so there is a lot of there's so many i can't even keep up but it was so funny because you know I made this video and I only listed uh, four of the meme page people I know. I made a couple of the other ones mad, but they weren't really mad. They was like, oh, bro, we're going to roast you. You know, so they put up a picture of me I put up during the uh, riots and, <laughs> and it, it was pretty funny. So, you know, it's one thing is, uh, man, <laughs> it's busy in the social media space of meme pages. And if y'all think I'm BSing, man, think back to the Laverne police department incident where old girl the white chick was smashing all the black dudes on the pd you know that kept me busy and laughing for weeks weeks man and i mean they made this chick meme page famous man she can't go nowhere and <laughs> without people knowing yo that's the chick that was smashing all them dudes on her police department like man the memes it's just it's savage man it's a savage game and i stay friends with all these guys because i know how savage they are but at the same time I know that if I mess up, they're going to be right there waiting to make a meme mockery of me. And you know what? Sometimes it's deserved. It's well-deserved, man. And 
you know, when the cops make mistakes on the clock, you know, you, you this is one job where if you're in, you have to have thick skin. I mean, you're in the public eye constantly. I tell people we're like little mini local celebrities, man. Everything we do good and bad is on display. And we just got a bad display here in Louisville as to an incident that happened the, a couple days ago in which the mean brigade was out in force, man. And they did not waste any time putting this incident to shame. So here in Louisville, we had a firearms instructor who had a negligent discharge with his weapon and shot a police recruit. And when I tell you all, when I heard that I was shocked, but I was even more shocked at the who I heard it was because I know the guy. He's a good dude. Man, been on SWAT for a long time. Long, 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 long time. I mean, he got years, I mean, de- over a decade behind the trigger doing SWAT shit, man. You know, then to hear that that happened to him, I ain't going to lie, it shocked me. But at the same time, I feel bad for the dude because I know he's got a lot going on in his personal life right now. But, you know, I'm just thankful that the recruit wasn't injured. And, man, I feel for him because, man, he's never going to hear the end of it to the day he dies, until the day his career is over and his life is over. He's always going to hear about that. My thing is, I hope that they don't charge this guy criminally. You know, and man, but it's I'm sure it's its up in the air right now what's going to happen with it. But the police recruit is OK. Got rushed to the hospital. But man, I mean, man, this thing wasn't even out you know, like for not even 30 minutes. And all of a sudden, man, my Instagram's flooded with memes about <laughs> firearms instructors at the Louisville Metro Police Department. And I there's nothing literally I could say. You know, people were tagging me and stuff like, man, what y'all doing down there, bro? You know, and, oh, man, I I was at a loss for words because I was still shocked and processing things and trying to figure out what had actually happened before I could even figure out what happened. I just bombarded with memes, man. You know, so I mean, personally, you know, I'm not the type of guy that's going to go out and just laugh at people and make fun of them when they make a mistake because I'm the guy that's made plenty of mistakes in my life. You know, I'll listen, I'll hear jokes and I'll laugh, yo, but I'm not going out of my way. I'm not going to share things about the the officer or the incident because I know what it's like to be on the opposite end of that, to be in his shoes. No, I did not shoot anybody, but I did have a negligent discharge with my shotgun on a call. And why am I admitting that to you all on this podcast? Because I admitted it in my book to show that, you know what, I am not perfect. I've made mistakes and I know better. I knew better when I made my mistake, but I wasn't in the right frame of mind. Just like my homeboy that had that incident the other day, he was not in his right frame of mind when he, when that uh, gun went off and he shot that recruit. Like I said, I don't know that I don't know the ins and outs of the details. I just know that that happening, man, it's like a kiss of death. And my God, it's a very, very unfortunate. So I'm just glad everybody's okay, man. You know, and I hope he recovers from this, both of him and the recruit and him and the recruit. But, man, we'll see where his career goes from here, man. You know, so we got that going on. Then I got real uncomfortable the other day. I don't know if I told you all, but I have officially been removed from night shift. Thank God my time on nights is over. And as soon as I get off a of night shift, unfortunately, for some odd reason, I get sick. And now I'm not able to really enjoy being on second shift, man. I work from now from 3 p.m. to 1 a.m. Love it, man. My favorite shift. I love my schedule, man. I got set off days and I feel like I can kind of plan my life a little bit better. 
and I could plan my life around this schedule and, you know, get a lot more things going and a lot more things popping for the podcast and just my life personally. You know, but man, it was my first day last week on mid-shift, man, and we get this crazy call to this hotel. I can't give too much details about it because, you know, there's a juvenile that was involved, but it's not that just the fact that there was a juvenile was involved. The next thing you know, I got this little light-skinned baby boy to start looking at my dark-skinned ass and calling me daddy. And everybody's like, yo, bro, you got something to tell us? And I mean, man, I'll take this kid down to where I'm supposed to take this kid down to start the process to, uh, you know, the custody order and all this, man. And he's just playing with toys. I'm doing paperwork. And he just looks in that look, keeps looking at me. Little light-skinned baby boy. Little light-skinned Colin Kaepernick with his with his uh, cornrows. Just keeps saying daddy. And I'm just like, man, yo, this is the most uncomfortable thing <laughs> excuse me that I've had to deal with all week and he just would not stop man and I'm just like man somebody tell this little light skinned boy that I ain't his daddy look at me me and you are not the same little guy you look at my babies my baby's got dark skin you ain't my baby <laughs> you know, so you know, man, I, I deal with that for a couple hours and then next thing you know the whole thing finally gets resolved man but I just kind of got a kick out of it, and uh, <laughs> it was a good time, man. It was fun. It was definitely fun and a little a little taxing. <laughs> but you know what, though? He probably would be better off being my kid. You know, that kid's life probably be, I'm going to brag on myself a little bit. I think I'm a phenomenal father. I'm a great dad. You know, me and my wife, we do a hell of a job, I think, raising our kids. Are they perfect? No, they're not perfect, yo, but... I guarantee you if that little light-skinned Colin Kaepernick was my child, he would not have been one of them bad-ass kids here in Louisville the other week down at the waterfront park on the river fighting in groups of 200 people. Bro, I am not joking, y'all. 200 juveniles the other day because we had nice weather and the kids were out of school. These little bastards went down to the waterfront and just took over, man. And they were fighting everywhere. And everybody's like, oh, it's just one time. No, this is not an isolated incident. This happens all the time every year when it gets warm. You know, and then people don't want to, parents don't want to watch their kids. You know, they just drop their kids off downtown at the waterfront. Hey, go have fun. And then they come back and get their kids later. But not this time, man. These little bastards was out here causing chaos and mayhem, man. The LMPD ended up arresting three other kids. Yo, but the thing was, man, there's just so many people. I mean, they said there are fights everywhere. And, man, I've dealt with that working downtown myself on the waterfront for God knows how many years. I mean, man, but it's just an ongoing and never-ending problem in this city. And I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all, it, it ain't racist if this if it's a fact. It's black kids. Sorry, this is the, the, the little Negro children of Louisville. And I'm saying that because I'm a Negro police officer in Louisville. And I said, if the, if, if the word Negro is good enough for Joe Biden to say it, damn it, it's good enough for me to say it. So, yes, man, that is the problem. And I hate, and I, the, the thing is, man, I, had a, I got a cousin that, you know, she, she's not a fan of the policing. And, she, you know, she's, she's one of the, I have a black son. Well, guess what? You ain't special. But, man, she, you know, she, uh, I got a cousin that my, her brother is trying to become a police officer. And she made a comment on his uh, post on my page. And it said, when you become a cop, just don't, you know, don't talk about black people like some people like. And I know she's I know it was shot at me. And I was like, you know what? 
because you weren't educated, I'm not even going to address it. And because you family, I'm going to let that slide. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, why do we never acknowledge when we have a problem with a certain group of people from a certain group area? It, just, it is just what it is. And it ain't just here in Louisville, man. If you go and see a large group of black kids doing something, you're going to look at that group and say, them group of black kids, them little kids is bad. Now, that's not just saying that all black kids are bad, but that particular group, and we keep seeing that same dynamic and that same demographic doing the same thing year after year all the time for the last 10, 15 years. That's a problem, people. I mean, hell, last year at the waterfront, we had a, how many black kids got shot? I mean, it was like four or five black kids got shot, man. Shots rang out, and man, it, it was crazy. I ain't seen no little white kids, and I'm not just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that white people are perfect because they're not. We know the history of this country, man. White people have done some pretty horrible, horrendous things, but that don't mean that black people are just, you know, we're problem free, man. We got, we bring enough of our own problems to the table and to the city as well. But nobody wants to say anything about the large groups of young black kids roaming the city taking over, man. And I mean, that's just here in Louisville. They had an incident in uh, Pennsylvania the other day in a town in Pennsylvania called Royersford, which is kind of uh, northwest of Philadelphia. And so honestly, I don't know what the demographics of these kids are. All I'm going to say is that those kids are bad as hell. And you know your kids are bad as hell. When Chick-fil-A, the Lord's chicken, comes out and puts out a statement and says that kids, un unaccompanied minors under 16, 16 and under, are not welcomed in the restaurant without a parent because these kids were so bad going in there and causing problems. Bro, when you getting called out by Chick-fil-A, you know you got a problem. And this is straight from that Chick-fil-A's Twitter. It says, we contemplated long and hard before posting this, but decided it was time. Often on Saturdays and days when schools are off, we have school-aged children visiting the restaurant without their parents. Usually these children and teens are dropped off for several hours at a local bounce park and groups of them then walk over to our restaurant. While we love being a community restaurant and serving guests of all ages, some issues need to be addressed. When groups of unaccompanied children and teens visit our restaurant, the following unacceptable behaviors often happen. Volume. They are loud and their conversations often contain a lot of explicit language. We are a family friendly restaurant where this is not tolerated. Mistreatment of property. Food and trash are often thrown around and left on the tables, chairs and on the floor. Tables and restaurants are vandalized. Decorations are stolen. Disrespect of employees. Bro, who is this disrespecting Chick-fil-A employees, bro? These are the most patient, kind and loving people that work in fast food industry. Why would you disrespect a Chick-fil-A employee? No, that's a direct ticket to hell if you ask me. You know God going to send down some lightning bolts from heaven and strike your ass down if you disrespecting a Chick-fil-A employee. But it says employees are laughed at, made fun of, and treated rudely. Employees are cursed at and ignored when they ask the children and teens to either change their behavior or leave. Unsafe behavior also occurred walking through the parking lot in the drive through as you can imagine, this is not a pleasant experience. We want to provide a comfortable and safe environment for our guests and our staff and also to protect our building. Therefore, we cannot allow this to continue. As a result to our dine-in restaurant, anyone under the age of 16 is required to be accompanied by an adult. 
you know, I've, I've read a lot of things last week that kind of made me upset, yo. But that, honestly, that really pissed me off because Chick-fil-A is such a nice restaurant, yo. And you got little badass kids out here going over there, ruining it for everyone and everybody. And if you say something to any of these kids, I don't know what color they are. I guarantee you most of their parents going to be like, leave my baby alone. My baby ain't even do nothing. Leave him alone. Yo, but the truth is, your kid is bad as hell. And you know it, but you don't want to take any responsibility in the raising of this little monster. So you just put it on the rest of society. And then when something happens with your kid and the police get called, you're going to be ready to, you know, if you're black, you're going to be ready to cry racism. If you're white, you're going to be like, my child would never do that. No, little, little Johnny would never. And the thing is, man, people know their kid's bad. But I don't know why it's so hard for parents to be like, yeah, man, this little bastard's a demon, man. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with him myself, y'all. You know, I don't understand why parents are so naive about their children. Not only are parents naive about their children, I feel like we, the American people, are so naive to what is going on in our country every day when it comes to politics. When it comes to everything being so polarized between the left and the right, you know, we are so naive and believe that the party that we vote for and choose, the party that we agree with and align our lives with, for the most part, is a party that loves us and cares about us and would never lie to us. We really believe that if you're a Democrat, the Democrats love you and the Democrats would never do anything to upset you and the Democrats would never lie to you. Or if you're a Republican, you believe that the Republicans love you. You all have the same you know, goals and things in life. You know, and the, no Republican would ever try to mislead you or give you misinformation. Well, the truth is, both sides of the aisle suck. Yes, I tell people I'm a Republican. And I say it's unfortunate because I don't really have any other voting options in this country. Because we're a binary political system. It's either left or right, Republican or Democrat. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's my duty as an American. I have to vote. Yeah, but I wish I had better and more voting options than what we're being presented because I grow more and more sick and tired and frustrated with both sides of the aisle daily and all these scumbags. And not just that, I get more and more tired of the news stations. And I'll be honest, I don't really watch the news. I really don't because I don't care what these people are selling. I don't care the stories they're promoting because regardless if, it, if it's Fox News, you know, MSNBC, CNN, everybody's got an angle. Everybody's shielding the truth to protect their agenda. And you're not going to get the entire story. You are only going to hear and see what they want you to hear and see. And they're going to leave out facts because the last thing they want you to do is, you know, use critical thinking, use your own brain, use your own mind and come up with your own outcome and conclusion of the story you just heard all they need to do is present the facts of these cases they don't do that they pre they present us with their opinion their slanted opinions like i said regardless left or right everybody in the media is involved in this thing and you know what tucker carlson is no better than anybody else in the news industry and I, that for me it hurts me to say that because i actually like tucker carlson I think he says a lot of good things and he's provided a lot of good content, you know, on the news. But at the same time, you know, I feel like Tucker Carlson to me kind of exposed himself with this J6 release uh, footage of uh, the 40 was it 44,000 hours of video that they had that he released. And he took it upon himself. Hey, 
The Democrats are hiding the truth. And I have all these videos of you know, the day of J6. You know, and I'm going to scroll through them. And I'm going to I'm exonerate everybody. And I'm going to you know, downplay this whole thing on January 6th. Because the Democrats are lying to us. And so I sat and I watched the uh, Tucker Carlson thing of the new video release uh, from J6. And you know what? <laughs> After watching that, I'm just like, January 6th is just proof that both sides are trying to play the American people. Both sides. They are both literally distorting the truth and showing you only what they want you to see. And both sides have an agenda that ignores the facts. This is why I don't watch the news. Because if you look at January 6th from a Democratic perspective, you no, know, they will say it was, it, was, you know, it was an insurrection. It, it's worse than the Civil War and worse than 9-11. Then they will say anyone that any and everyone that was there that day is a terrorist and is violent, which is 100 percent not true. Then we have now Q Tucker Carlson, who I've liked for a long time, but now officially no longer trust because he's using the same tactics as the Democrats and only showing views, viewers what he wants them to see. Like I said, 40,000 hours of footage from the Capitol that day. And he only showed a few selective moments from the day to prove that it was just a nice, peaceful, quiet day. And these people were just having a nice, uneventful stroll through the Capitol, which was not true. You know, he made it seem like it was just overly peaceful. And that wasn't the case. But my thing is, like, people have seen video footage from the Capitol of different angles and different locations, man, and from different news media. And we know for a fact that it was not just this whole peaceful thing. Now, were there probably more peaceful people there than violent people? Of course there were, but there were also scumbags there to start problems, man. And like, you know, Tucker Cross's video didn't show people scaling the walls, man. There were people breaking down doors and shattering windows to unlawfully gain access to the Capitol. There were people stealing. Man, one person was walking around, if y'all remember, with the flex cuffs, looking to detain members of Congress. And they were saying, you know, these guys weren't violent, that none of them were violent. There were some of them that were violent. There were people assaulting officers. I told you all a couple episodes ago about this uh, show on HBO. I watched this documentary that was very right down the middle. And in that documentary, it was called This Place Rules. It showed people freaking assaulting officers with batons bats pepper spray and even somebody had a taser yo and they were hitting this officer with a taser and it was i was just watching like my god man i felt bad for those officers and somebody took a dump on top of nancy pelosi's desk now honestly i'm not mad about that because i can't stand nancy pelosi so to whoever that dude is sir you are my hero i don't agree with what you did disrespectful and horrible but you will just you are still my hero my man my dude <laughs> you know and a big focus of uh tucker carlson's uh show for that release it was the QAnon shaman yeah everybody knows who this dude is he's a tall tall muscular bald-headed white guy that was dressed like a viking and had his face painted and so this guy is still being held unlawfully i will say for, uh, for I think for trespassing on on uh, the Capitol, but he's been held. I don't believe he's been given a sentence yet. But I mean, man, the crime for which he's been charged with does not match, and he should not still be being held in the Democratic gulag. Now I don't agree with him being there, but at the same time, you know, the the crime has to fit the punishment. And the video shows, yeah, this man. I don't know how he got into the Capitol. 
I'll say anybody that busted out the windows at the Capitol and broke down the doors you know, that went into the Capitol through that door, I think they should all be charged with breaking and entering and a felony. I really do. Because, I mean, that's just not the way you enter into a building, especially a federal building. And I don't want to hear, but that's the people's building, man. That's my tax dollars building, bro. That's, the, that's their building. I hear what you're saying, and I agree. But at the same time, we have rules and we have laws. Because guess what? I get a check from the federal government. Don't you bring your ass to my house kicking my door and say, this is my house, man. I pay for your disability check to come on the first. Bro, you're going to get shot in the freaking face. So just because you pay taxes on something does not mean you have the right to access every, every bit of it. Man, your tax dollars from the military base. I dare you to drive up to a military base without a military ID. It's like, I want to go inside and you're not searching me and I'm not showing you my ID. You're going to get your ass whooped. And as you're getting your ass whooped, you're going to be screaming, this is my money. This is my base. This is the people's military base. Be reasonable, man. Be reasonable. You know, so the people that broke down the door to get into the Capitol and everybody that came in through there, I have a problem with that. That's that's disorderly conduct. And that's all a whole lot of other things, man. I just don't agree with that. Now, they were saying that there were people that that were being escorted in and led, led around by the Capitol Police, which there were. But you also have to look at this, man. There were how many thousands of protesters? I mean, we'll take the lowest number, but we'll say 500 protesters at the, at one gate. And there were like 20 officers. Now, you as an officer, hey, your job, hey, hold this line. Nobody gets through. Nobody gets in. You know, so you and your like 20 buddies are there and you get approached by a group of 500 people and they start pushing and shoving you and rushing you. Do you really think that 20 officers can fend off 500 protesters that want to get past their line? Ain't no way in hell. Man, I love law enforcement, bro, but trust me, we are not the 300. We are not the Spartans, y'all. We're not about to sit there and hold a line with 20 people against 500. That's not happening, especially especially in America. You're like, yeah, some of our law enforcement officers ain't in that great a shape. And you think 20 of these officers are just going to stand there against this tidal wave of 500 protests? And I'm being generous with 500, man, because there was a lot more people there, bro. There was thousands, tens of thousands of people. Yo, and you think these officers are just going to stand there and get bum rushed? What are you going to do? Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm probably going to open up that gate and don't give me that some of that bullshit. You know, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to fall on my sword and go out fighting. There was nothing to fall on because nobody out there had weapons. You couldn't shoot anybody. What are you going to do? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. And so they opened up that freaking gate and let the people in. People in. They didn't really have a choice, man. And I'm so tired of hearing about January 6th, yo, but it keeps coming up because there's always something new with it, but I'm not changing my mind and my opinion on it. You know, I don't agree with either side of what happened, the Democrats or the Republicans. You know, we, like I said, we have seen that there are Democrats that have lied about it and blown this thing out of proportion, and we have Republicans that have underplayed this whole thing you know, that make it seem like, no, it wasn't really that bad. Yeah, it was bad, yeah. It wasn't bad to the level of 9-11 or the Civil War, which the Democrats are saying, yo, but it was bad. You know, a low level, you know, a low level conflict. Yeah. But I mean, man, nobody died. Well, they said, you know, Officer Sicknick died. You know, but the Democrats were trying to say he was killed by the protesters. That's not 100 percent true. You know, then you have Democrats who hate cops. They want to raise up the black officer that shot and killed Ashley Babbitt. Now, all this up because it's a, to their political advantage. Oh, look, we got a black guy that killed a white woman, you know, at the at the Capitol. 
He's a cop. We hate cops, but hey, we hate these people more. We hate these, you know, these Trumpers and insurrectionists. We're going to use this to our advantage. So they take that incident and they put this guy up on a pedestal and he should not be up on a pedestal. You don't shoot an unarmed 130 pound female that's climbing through a window. You're like, you're a giant man. You can't handle her. Yep. And at the same time, I'm not going to defend Ashley Babbitt and say, you know, hey, you, she's a moron. She's an idiot. She shouldn't have been climbing through the window. And these two things can be true at the same time. There doesn't have to be a winner. There doesn't have to be who's right and who's wrong. You're all wrong. And you all suck. No one from January 6th gets any sympathy from me because it was foolishness, man. It was stupidity on both parts. And now you see that the American government is absolutely okay with taking advantage of these situations and using it to mislead people just to, you know, to progress their agenda and lie to us, man, in the media. And, so, and that just goes to show you that the right is no better than the left and the left is no better than the right. These people do not care about you. They care about your ratings and your money and your vote. That's it. If they can't extract those from you, they have no use for you. Man, talk about a foobar situation all the way around. And, just, and they are both just absolutely full of crap. But you know who is not full of crap? My advertiser, Gunfighter Trading Company. Yes, you have all have heard me talking about Gunfighter Trading Company on this podcast for the last few weeks. They are my official first sponsor. And let me tell you, I'm sitting here right now. I'm burning a candle. This one here is NCO. And it says, smells like leadership. And my God, it does. And the best thing is, I can't wait to be done with the burning of the candle. Because once you burn the candle all the way down, it turns into a bourbon glass. And it is a very nice bourbon glass. So I'm going to have a bunch of bourbon glasses once I'm done burning all of these candles. You know, not to mention they have beard bombs. They got t-shirts. They got soap over at the store. So if you get the chance, go to gunfightertrading.co and order you some merch. And while you're there, put in my discount code PITS, P-I-T-T-S, to receive 15% off of your order purchase. I freaking love Gunfighter Trading Company. And I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor. I truly believe in what these guys are doing. I told, them, I told the guy when I spoke to him, like, I hope y'all blow up and get bigger than Black Rifle. And I just want to be here from the beginning and say I'm a supporter of what you all are doing. Three cops out of Pennsylvania. Man, I wonder, you know, I wonder if they were there the other day for those badass kids at that Chick-fil-A. Now they probably weren't. Probably weren't, man. Probably too busy in the, you know, putting some merch together and you know, putting these orders together and making some great products, man. But if y'all were, hey man, good work. <laughs> you know, but so like I said, man, Gunfighter Trading Co., be sure to get your merch. Man, these guys are awesome. And like I said, their products are quality products. They're not full of crap like the federal government and the DOJ, the Department of Justice. So if you all have been watching the news anywhere at all, me, I have not. But I get the alerts on my social media. The Department of Justice has come to a conclusion and released their findings and their, their investigation into the Louisville Metro Police Department in which now the Louisville Metro Police Department will enter into a consent decree with the Department of Justice. If you all aren't aware, a consent decree is when the government comes in, tells you and your police agency that y'all are jacked up and y'all are messed up. We're going to force you to make it right and get it right. And then you need to, they're going to give you a list of all these things you and your officers have to do. And if you don't do those things, you will be in trouble. 
And if you do do those things, you'll be rewarded. And eventually you can come off of the consent decree. That's pretty much what it is. And so people are probably listening, wondering if you're new to the show. You're like, so how did this whole thing with the consent decree, consent decree come about? You know, it depends on who you ask. Some people will say, you know, this comes about from years of unethical and racist policing dating back to slavery. This police department's always been racist. LMPD's always been racist. But we, you could go back that far and argue that. Uh, me personally, I don't think that's a point to argue. But we're just going to go back to 2020 when a young lady by the name of Breonna Taylor, who the media and the DOJ has propped up as this angel who did nothing wrong, was brutally and murderly and murdered by LMPD for just sleeping in her bed and being black. That's what the news story says, yo. But the truth is, the DOJ, the city of Louisville, Louisville politicians, and even LMPD leadership have failed to acknowledge the truth of this entire incident. You know, that would show you that Brianna Taylor was not some innocent bystander just sleeping in her bed and was shot dead by LMPD officers and detectives. No, they're going to tell you that they're not going to tell you that at all. You know, she was involved in the dope, dope game. She was involved in the drug game. She was holding weight and holding money. There was a warrant to be served at that house for a reason. Now, the warrant is in dispute. And those officers that wrote that warrant, you know, that's all currently under investigation. We don't know what's going to work out. But it look, from what we've seen so far, it looks like the officers and detectives involved in that. It might have conspired to change something in the warrant. That's what we know so far. But that hasn't been proven yet because there's still officers and detectives that have not been interviewed. And I want to hear their side of the events before I throw these brothers under the bus. I don't think it's wrong to wait for more facts and wait for the entire story. Unlike the media who took the Breonna Taylor story and just ran with it and use it to run it up LMPD's ass and put us up on a stake and just leave us out in the field in the open to be picked at by vultures for the last few years. And give us no assistance. So the DOJ report gets released. And Louisville's new mayor. Uh, Jesus what's his name. Ugly face Greenberg. You know he comes up and he says on the little presser. That I was watching that. You know we just want to let it be known. That you know this report. You know it hurts it's raw it's real. You know, and just, we, you know people are saying that this whole thing is. It's political. This is not political. It's just right and it's just wrong you know. And I'm just sitting there like man mayor. This entire report from that I read over, the entire thing is political. When a politician tells you that something's not political, you damn well best believe, guess what? That it is 100% political. This whole thing from the DOJ, man, this is from the Biden administration who hates police officers and love black folks. They love, they love victimizing black folks. Because that way they can use them to get their votes. And we got the 2024 election coming up next year. So, yeah, now's a good time to go ahead and put in this consent decree and go ahead and label Louisville Metro Police Department as a racist police department. Just to make your black counterparts happy so you can get those black votes. It's almost like I've been around a little long doing and I kind of know what I'm talking about. You know, and the mayor says that it's not political. It's just the facts. And nobody loves facts more than me. I love the facts as well, but also I've been a cop long enough to know that numbers and facts can be, you know, distorted to make something appear that's not there and to create and cause a problem that's not there. And I've also seen numbers be used 
to make it seem like there is no, absolutely no issue, nothing happened in that location. Because people can skew numbers when they have an agenda to fulfill. I've seen this in policing many a times. I remember taking a report and I know that it was a clear 100% a robbery. A robbery first. We're here in Kentucky, KRS, a robbery first is if you go into a store, you get a Subway sandwich, and the guy hands you the sandwich and you don't want to pay. And the next thing you know, the guy shoves you or pulls a knife out on you or tells you he's got a gun and pretends like he's got a gun. And then he leaves the store with the sandwich. That's a robbery first here. Or if you cause injury to somebody. So, but I've had sergeants come forward come and say, man, you need to change that to a robbery second. I'm like, or, or, or just a simple theft. I'm like, but he used force against this guy and stole this sandwich. That's what KRS says. I know it needs to be a T-butt. That's not, we're not going to do it's, I've been a part of it, not, not necessarily by choice, but I was like, yo, that's wrong. So I have seen how they play with numbers on this police department. And let me tell you all this. The lead of the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, if you think that this report is not full of bias, you are a fool. If you think that I don't have some bias as a cop in me that's worked for LMPD for over 10 years, you are mistaken. I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I am biased because I've worked here for so long, even though I'm not here anymore. These are my friends. These are my family, man. These are my people. This is my home. This is the place that brought me up and raised me. So, yeah, I'm going to have some bias. But at the same time, I'm going to do my honest and my best to be objective when I go through this report. Some of the things I'm going to pull out and talk with you all about. Because I've been a cop for so long and in the streets, you know, I try to give officers the benefit of the doubt as much as possible, especially if I know they are a good cop. But I am also, like I said, I'm also going to do my best to sit aside my personal feelings and my personal beliefs and take a look at this report and be objective as possible. Now, I will say, you know, this report scathing and it does not look good for the Louisville Metro Police Department. But at the same time, I hear the cries and the concern of the people from the community, especially the black community. And my thing is, you know, the United States Constitution exists for a reason. And me being a American patriot, I believe in the Constitution. I believe in the you know, pursuit of life, liberty and happiness for every person. Black, white, it don't matter if you're here. Everybody deserves those things. And me recently being oppressed by the IRS and I got them in my damn pocket, taking all my money. You know, I think all Americans deserve, like I said, to have liberty and freedom and to be free from government overreach and terror. That is at the crux of what I believe. And I don't want anybody to think otherwise. I don't want anybody to hear anything I say in this podcast and say he's all for the police just terrorizing the black community. That is not true. And that is not the case. You know, if the, the, we do have ha we have had examples in this country of police departments, even some small examples here on LMPD. But out in L.A., the Rampart Division, Atlanta, the Red Dog Unit, you know, where officers were taking advantage of the power that they had. You know what? And any time that happens and an officer breaches his oath to the Constitution and the people of this country, that officer needs to face severe consequences because that is something I take serious. My oath to the Constitution and to the people of this country and the community. You know, as I was reading through this report, it was so weird because I felt like. The DOJ was talking out of both sides of their mouths. One part, they would say, no, you know, we do good work and most of us are good officers. Then they would turn around and say, 
pretty much you're all racist, <laughs> you know, and, you know, don't don't praise me for what I do. Then tell me that I'm a racist piece of shit, you know, in the same breath. That's that's not that's not very productive. <laughs> that's a good, when once you tell me, hey, you do good work, but that butt cancels everything that you said prior to me about me being a great officer. You know, and it's so weird. So this report looks at LMPD, the investigation from the DOJ from 2016 to 2022. Now, in 2016, people don't know this. A lot of people have forgotten this, but I haven't because I've been here a long time. LMPD was selected by the Obama administration for a, an award as an upstanding and model policing department for 21st century policing and community policing. We had officers that got invited to the White House, man, and they were just, oh, y'all are doing such a great job in Louisville. I have an article here from the Courier Journal here in Louisville, or some people call it the Communist Journal. <laughs> it says Louisville police lauded at White House. This article was May 25th, 2016. Louisville's police force is among a select few chosen to serve as a national model for implementing 21st century policing, earning its chief a trip to the White House Monday. Louisville Police Chief Steve Conrad learned of the honor earlier this month, but had a hint but had a hint his uh, department was on the right track after an upbeat visit last month from a President Obama appointee. Ron Davis, a veteran cop who heads the president's task force on 21st century policing, visited Louisville for a few days in April to see firsthand how the city's police force is viewed by area use and community leaders and whether officers are shifting from a mentality of warriors to one of the guardians, using compassion and discretion to patrol the city streets unless the situation grows dangerous. Davis re told reporters he was impressed with how police, city leaders, health officials, residents, and others were viewing violent crime through the lens of public health crisis, saying, we're seeing a community coming together. I saw a high level of commitment. So we go from that in 2016 to only a couple years later to now the DOJ and this report is pretty much saying that we are all big old stanky sacks of shit and we all suck and we're all racist and we're all full of crap just like them. So we go in that little time from being in a model city to all of a sudden we just make this complete 360 turn and we're nothing of a model city. I mean, make it make sense, man. I've been here. I haven't really gone anywhere. I've been around. I mean, I left in what, 2018, but I came back in 2020. You know what I mean? It's it's unreal. You know, we a Democratic president says that we're doing great things here in Louisville. And now all of a sudden the tide has automatically shifted and we're no longer doing great things. And we are undeserving to even be calling ourselves a police department, according to the DOJ. And now also according to the Louisville community. And before I dig any deeper, I want to tell you all this to help you put something in perspective. This investigation, which, like I said, was from 2016 to 2020, was conducted by people that were that are not cops. Some used to be cops a long time ago. But, man, sometimes when you're removed from something from so long, you don't remember what it's like to be on the street and wear the uniform and wear the badge. But, man, these people have not been on the streets for a long time. None of these people have ever been really police officers. And this comes straight from the DOJ report. It says the team conducting this investigation includes career attorneys, investigators. That's a broad term. Anybody can, anyone, anything could be an investigator. 
and paralegals from the Special Litigation Section of the Civil Rights Division and the United States Attorney's Office for the Western District of Kentucky. The team also included more than a dozen expert, expert consultants. What is a dozen experts and consultants in what area? Including several former police chiefs from throughout the United States, a retired federal judge, a retired FBI agent. FBI agents are not cops. If I took an FBI agent and took off his uniform, put him in my police uniform, and put him downtown at 26 and Broadway at the Dinos where there have been a lot of dead black bodies, that man's going to piss himself and not know what the hell to do. Because FBI agents are not cops. We are not the same. Uh, statistical experts and expert in 911 and dispatching systems experts in behavioral health crisis and experts in investigating sex crimes and domestic violence those are the people that were leading this investigation hey imagine me going down to my local hospital and telling these doctors that have went to school for seven years 17 years to get all these certifications and do all these surgeries hey man i don't know if y'all know y'all messing up man y'all ain't doing this right they're going to laugh my ass out of that hospital. That's why, honestly, I laugh at a lot of these people and a lot of the quote unquote findings in this report. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that everything in this report is false and BS and made up. That's not true. But for me to say that everything in here is true is a <laughs> that's that's a stretch. man. That's no. There's some truth. There's some mis some mis misleading information. There's some stuff in here that is completely subjective, absolutely subjective to the person doing the investigation. It's subjective to a person that has never been a cop and this goes and starts watching body cam video and says, I don't like the way he did that. Subjective. Yeah, there's some things in this line of work that are right is right, wrong is wrong, but there's also a lot of gray that goes into wearing this uniform and doing this job. And the, see, the problem with this report is, a lot of these cases that are mentioned in this report are kind of outliers and one-offs, man. I mean, what they don't mention is out of the, they claim they watch thousands of hours of body cameras footage to gather all this information. You know, but my thing is, if you watch thousands of hours of body camera footage, how many hours of that footage was actually shown to be that cops were jacked up, messed up, and doing the wrong things? I mean, as you take 10,000 hours of footage, yo, and you get about, but, you know, an hour of cops doing the wrong thing. That's an extremely small percentage. And that would tell you, man, they're, well, they're doing things right most of the time. Yeah, but, you know, there's always going to be scumbags in uniform that suck at this job and take advantage of it and aren't good at it. You know, But they're not going to tell you that how many hours they actually watch versus how many hours they actually viewed that showed deficiencies in this department. They say that the intent of this DOJ report is to make LMPD better and hold officers and leaders accountable, which I'm absolutely 100% okay with. I'm all on board on that. But to me, the way I was reading this, it didn't seem like that was the intent. To me, it seemed like this was more like a hit piece, trying to shame LMPD and its officers, every last one of them, and just throwing a blanket over all of us at like making us seem like we're the same. And that's not the case, and that's not true. You know, man, we have some great officers here. We have some horrible officers here. You know? And I mean, everybody's got a special and a different experience here on this police department. I ran into a guy I know the other day when I was out, when I was off, and he was telling me about his experiences on LMPD since he's been on. And he's got a lawsuit and all this stuff going on. He's like, man, they're coming at me because I'm black and you know, this place is racist. 
you know, then you have me who's been here longer than him. I've never felt like I was targeted because I was black and because this place was racist. Yo. But who am I to tell him that his accounts and ordeals are false and just all made up in his head? Yo. Who am I to tell him that? Nobody. But at the same time, you can't sit here and tell me, a black guy that's been here forever, yo, that this place is racist and they're going to go after me because I'm black. I mean, that's not been my lived experience here. LMPD is not a one size fits all experience, even for the civilians that live in the city. They get policed by these guys. Yo. Like, you have some civilians that have horrible encounters in LMPD. You have some a lot more civilians that have wonderful encounters with LMPD. But those don't make the news. That don't no, that don't count. We only look at the encounters that have gone bad. And you know what's going to happen after this thing comes out and it takes hold of this department, man? There's going to be a lot of fallout from this report, y'all. Uh, there, uh, there's going to be a lot more officers leaving. And if you think officers were already not being productive and being proactive, man, it, it, this is going to drive productivity down even further. Because this report in the news and the media is giving people unrealistic expectations of police officers and police departments when it comes to fighting crime and keeping people safe and using force. So, you know, this report is 90 pages, but I'm only going to go over and look over a few parts of that that really stood out to me because I don't have the time and it's already kind of lagging on, going on 52 minutes, you know, and I, but I'm just going to go over a couple key things I found myself that were interesting I'm going to talk about and do my best to explain it. But so they said that there were eight major findings in this report. One of those was LMPD uses excessive force, including unjustified neck restraints and the unreasonable use of police dogs and tasers Two, LMPD conducts searches based on invalid warrants. I'm not going to be touching that because I don't really deal much with warrants. That's not my area. Three LMPD executes search warrants without knocking and announcing. Now, I'm not really going to address that, but at the same time, I can tell you, yeah, that's something we have done for decades. That is something we have done that has always been legal. It was not until recently because of Brianna's law and all that foolishness, yo, that LMPD can now no longer serve no knock warrants, which is stupid. No knock warrants are good and should be used in certain situations. You can't just throw out this tool and say, here, you can't have this no more. And it puts people in danger. But that's just the time we're living in Four. LMPD unlawfully stops, searches, detains, and arrests people during street enforcement activities, including traffic and pedestrian stops. Five, LMPD unlawfully discriminates against black people in its enforcement activities. Six, LMPD violates the rights of people engaged in protected speech or critical of policing. Seven, Louisville Metro Police, Louisville Metro and LMPD discriminate against people with behavioral health disabilities when responding to them in crisis. So I'm going to go back to the one that talks about LMPD and our use of force. This is how you know that the people that were involved and engaged in this report that were watching body camera videos had never been cops. This is pulled straight from the report and from the use of force. This was an incident. It says, in addition to the higher levels of force, we also found that LMPD officers use takedown strikes and other bodily forces in ways that are unnecessary and unlawful. Unnecessary and unlawful according to who? For example, two officers saw a man walking along a road who matched the description of a suspicious person that someone had reported to the police. There was no indication that the man was armed or that he was otherwise a threat to officers. Nonetheless, one officer shouted, 
Stop digging in your pockets. And as he ran up to the man and tackled him full speed, this, this stunned the man and he screamed that he did not do anything wrong as he laid in a pile of thorn bushes. In another example, an officer punched a black man twice in the stomach, even through though he was pinned to the ground and not resisting, according to who. So, man, the thing about this example that they use inside in the report is this. There was really no context given to the incident other than a suspicious person. So, you know, that that doesn't tell us much. I mean, I get suspicious person calls and runs all the time. So a suspicious person's run can have a lot of detail or there can be very, very little. So someone checking door handles, looking in a window or acting strange can be suspicious person run. And to me, that warrants me stopping and detaining that person in that moment because I have reasonable suspicion to believe that this person is involved in some sort of criminal activity. We also get 911 calls where it's a suspicious, suspicious person just randomly walking down the street. And some Karen calls and says, I don't know about this guy. He looks, he doesn't belong. He doesn't look like he belongs here. And to me, that does not warrant me stopping this man who's an American citizen walking down a street, a public sidewalk. I have no cause to stop this guy if he just looks suspicious. He looks like he doesn't belong here. That is not a crime. That is not reasonable suspicion. You know, so we don't know what these officers, what the exact call was that these officers went to. Yo, there's no telling because they did not put context in here because I don't think they want a context in here. Now, if this is a guy, you walk up to him, yo, and this guy's, you know, you're going to detain him because he's under, you know, investigation because of this suspicious activity, like breaking in cars, you know, breaking in homes, whatever. These people typically have weapons. And if a cop comes up to you and tells you, hey, I need to talk to you real quick. You're detained for an investigation. Nobody really says that. And if you have your hands in your pockets and I tell you to get your hands out your pockets and you don't, in my mind, because of my training and all the videos I've watched, that person could have a weapon on them, a gun. And it takes nothing but a split second to pull that gun out of his pants pockets of his hoodie and to shoot your ass. So that's how I knew reading that, that these people were not cops. So what else would they want us to do? De-escalate? I'm sorry, sir. Can you take your hands out your pockets? Oh, hey, pardon. He's not listening. Sir, can you take your hands out your pockets? Still not listening. Sir, take your hands out your pockets. Still not listening. And boom, you get shot, you're dead. You're giving this person time to think of a plan to do something to you. You have to step in and intervene right away. Now, if it's me running up to you and tackling you to the ground, I'm okay with it. And then if you start reaching for your for your waistband and you haven't been searched and I don't know what the hell you got on you. And I know I'm here on a call because you match the description of this suspicious person checking in door handles and looking in houses, bro. Yeah, you catching the hands, bro. You get I'm going to tear your face up. But they're saying that that's not what officers are supposed to do. So, dear person who doesn't have any police experience watching these videos, what would you have an officer do? Sounds like you just want us to get shot and just leave it and leave it alone at that. No. But then like I said, that is my biggest crux with most of this report is people that are not cops that have no clue what it's like to get a call to a suspicious person, a suspicious vehicle. And you don't know what that person's intent in the, is for you. They don't understand that, man. FBI agents don't understand that. Me, I've been out, on, out in these streets a long time. I understand that. 
You know, and then the one about the other example about them punching a black dude in the stomach. You're like, this man hasn't been searched. I don't know because they don't provide enough context. We don't know. They just said they started punching him in the stomach. I mean, did they listen to the uh, the officer's interview afterwards for the use of force? Probably not. Did this guy end up getting arrested because he had something on him or had warrants? They didn't make mention of that. Like I said, they just use these small incidents and they use that as a blanketing tool to say that, hey, they're being, you know, not de-escalating. They're being too aggressive with people. Moving on, it says LMPD's street enforcement activities violate the Fourth Amendment. We have reasonable cause. Somebody tell me what the hell reasonable cause is. I've been a cop a long time. I ain't never heard of reasonable cause. I've heard of reasonable suspicion. I've heard of probable cause. I've heard of reasonable doubt, <laughs> yeah, but I never heard of reasonable cause, but we have reasonable cause to believe that LMPD engages in a pattern of or practice of street enforcement that violates the Fourth Amendment. LMPD officers unlawfully stop, frisk, detain, search and arrest people during these street enforcement activities, such as traffic stops and pedestrian stops. The intrusive in encounters violate the rights of the people throughout the city, arrest uh, throughout the city across race and social economic status <laughs> you know i'm not going to sit here and tell you that every officer that goes on the streets and that is proactive and that's in these units and on the jump out squad yo and jumping out on people yo, and looking for crime i'm not going to sit here and tell you that these dudes do it right every time that's just not the case lord knows i didn't get it right all the time when i was a young rookie officer overzealous full of piss and vinegar and wanting to crush everybody and take everybody to jail because I did not have an understanding of what discretion was when I was a young rookie officer. Y'all just everybody go to jail. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your story is. I don't care what. No, I don't care how far behind you are on your bills. The law is the law, and you broke it. Your ass is mine. Now, thirteen year old, thirteen year veteran me, that is not the same guy at all. Yo, but that's one thing. I mean, they say that, and I'm sure they have examples of it. But man. I'm not going to sit here and say that this is 100% false. Yo, like We have officers that are young, inexperienced, and untrained, and they're trying to learn and figure things out. Yo, and it's hard to do on this department when your most senior officers on some of these policing, on these squads here on LMPD are like three-year cops, four-year cops. You're like You don't really learn this job until like your fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth year. I mean, hell, I've been doing it 13 years, and I'm still learning stuff, man. Yo, but the basics of the Fourth Amendment, no, that is something we have to take serious on LMPD. You're like, we can't have officers violating people's Fourth Amendment rights. We just can't. I told you, we the people should be free of unlawful search and seizures. That is what the Constitution guarantees us. And honestly, I don't think officers go out looking to do that on purpose. Man, sometimes these situations get a little murky, get a little you know, convoluted and get a little gray and officers aren't sure. But that's why I tell people, hey. Ask for consent. And I can tell you this with 100% certainty that I've been on a lot of squads where we've been proactive. We go out and we hop out on people. Yo, and We don't just search people, but we always, nine times out of ten, hey, man, you mind if I check you out real quick? And that usually conveys, hey, you mind if I search? You got anything on you? You mind if I check you out? And everybody's like, usually, yeah, no, I don't mind, man. And the thing is, I think the people watching these videos don't recognize and realize and understand that as a consent to search. We that man, that has always been the case for most things. I've done that and still do that today, man. You got anything on you? Mind if I check you out? Yeah, no, go ahead, man. 
And, so, and I go, and they put their hands up, and they turn around, and I go, and I pat them down, make sure they got weapons. And they're cool with it, man. And, and that happens nine times out of ten times. But they're saying that this is happening more and more so often. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if this does happen more often because, just simply because, man, like we have so many young officers on this department, man, and they – I hate to say that they just don't realize it, that they're doing it, man. They're going to make mistakes. That's why you need seasoned veteran officers around, man. LMPD just doesn't have that. And that's definitely one thing. Like I say, there is no such thing as you know, too much training when it comes to Terry V, you know, Terry frisking somebody and Terry stops, bro. Like, there's never too much training. You know, off, these are things that you have to use throughout your entire career. You're like, I still periodically go back and search Terry v. Ohio, just to keep myself in the loop. You know, Tennessee v. Gardner. I constantly going back and looking at stuff, yo, making sure I still have an understanding of it because policing a lot of times, man, it's a tool. And if you don't use it a lot, bro, you will get rusty and you will have a misinterpretation of how you read case law. Yo, and it, it happens, man. That's why you have to stay on top of your training. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be 50-50 with the DOJ on this one and say, I can absolutely see why. They would say that, but at the same time, on the other side, I can see how they can be looking at this from the wrong lens and that understanding maybe some of the language and some of the gestures and things that we talk to with people on the street when it comes to jumping out on them and saying, hey, man, mind if I check you out real quick? You ain't got no, no, you right. And we have had instances in the past where officers have been caught violating people's rights and it was addressed and it, may, it, it was taken care of, maybe not to the DOJ standard, but that that person was written up in it and, they, and it was acknowledged i mean we had the young uh training officer a couple was it last year the year before he was searching a lady it was like using his hand and felt this lady up like and you had a veteran lmpd officer his field training officer stepped in and said whoa 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 whoa, bro that's we're not doing that and reported the incident and guess what that dude eventually ended up getting fired because that was a trash hire for the police department that dude should have never been a cop but man, holy goodness, you know, they don't that don't make the report. We don't talk about that. And this other one also on, on the same line says LMPD officers frequently stop frisk people without reasonable, articulable suspicion. For example, officers stop and frisk pedestrians if they have been in the area of an alert from the city's sound base gunshot. I'm sorry, man, my eyes are struggling to read this of a base gunshot detection system. Even though merely being in the general vicinity of suspected gunshots is not by itself grounds for a stop and frisk. But I honestly, I'm telling you, I think they watch these body cam videos and they don't understand that officers walk up to people. Though the whole shot spotter thing, there's shots in the area. It tells you where the shots come from. Officers get into the area. And if we're in the area, we see somebody acting suspicious after gunshots have been fired. We're going to approach that person and, and talk to them. Now, are they lawfully detained? No, that's a consensual and casual encounter. And you can walk up to the person, hey man, you mind if I talk to you real quick? He could tell you, fuck you, pound sand, bro, I ain't stopping. And you have no reason to detain that guy. No reason. But the thing is, people often stop and talk to us. If we, if it's a consensual encounter, I don't, you know, hey, that's all I need. You, you're agreeing to stay here and talk to me. And I think the DOJ is missing that in a lot of these incidents. You're like, that's literally what is going on from my perspective. And for me being on the streets and working in the area with a shot spotter. 
if I'm there, once they like, hey, man, you mind if I check you out real quick? You know, we got some gunshots around here, man. I don't want any misunderstandings. I don't want, you know, you reaching in your pockets and shooting me, and I don't want to be on the news, man. I just want to get this over with and get you home, and I go about my day, man. Oh, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, yeah I don't mind. Bro, check them out. Dude ain't got no weapon on them. Hey, man, did you hear anything? All right, cool, man. Hey, have a good day. Boom, you're on your way. That's what it's usually going on, but the DOJ says otherwise. <laughs> now moving to the next session, section. Oh, I put on my notes for this one. It says LMPD hates black people. <laughs> that's not what the <laughs> that's not what the report actually says, but that is what the numbers try to say. But it says on this one, LMPD unlawfully discriminates against black people in its enforcement activities. We have reasonable cause. There it is again. Reasonable cause. What is reasonable cause to believe that LMPD engages in racial discrimination in violation of Title five of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Safe Streets Act. Black people in Louisville disproportionately experienced the conduct described in the previous section of this report. Nearly half of LMPD's reported uses of non of less than lethal force from 2016 to 2021 were against black people. Twice the overall percentage of black residents in Louisville Metro and nearly half of these incidents we received, we reviewed that involved an unreasonable use of force. Officers use unreasonable force against a black person. There it is again. When I tell you this is subjective, they're saying that this is force is unreasonable. I'm like, you are just saying this, but you're not providing the people with any proof of this. All you're saying is that you watched the video and you deem that it was unreasonable. That doesn't do it for me. That doesn't do it enough for me because I've worked in the hood. I've worked around black people a long time. We get donkey. I know what goes on, bro. I've been there. I've seen it. Like, hey, man, Tayshawn, calm down, bro. No, fuck that, nigga. Hey, no, fuck that. I'm like, hey, man, come on, bro. Chill, dog. Chill, man. Why we got to do this? Because y'all do this shit to me every time. I'm just walking. And it just blows up. And you're just trying to get this dude to calm down. He's mad. He was stopped the other day. But that's because people know Tayshawn from the block and they know Tayshawn always got dope and drugs on him. Tayshawn always up to no good. Tayshawn probably got a warrant. Because you know the area and you know the people. That's your area. That's your job to know that stuff. So for them to say the it's unreasonable use of force, you have to watch. I have to watch the video and watch it for myself and say, yeah, that's unreasonable. I wouldn't have done that. But like I said, you have people that have never been a cop. Like in that one example I, I talked about earlier, said the guy walking down the street wouldn't give him his hands. So the officers take action. And the DOJ is not happy about it. I mean, I don't know what else you want officers to do. The next section says LMPD engages in racially disproportionate, excuse me, racially disparate enforcement that harms black people. LMPD treats black people differently than white people, even when they engage in the same conduct. The racial disparities front results from LMPD's decisions to concentrate low-level enforcement in predominantly black neighborhoods, as well as LMPD's selective enforcement against black people throughout Louisville. LMPD's discriminatory enforcement harms black people. The subsection says LMPD unlawfully uses race in its enforcement activities. LMPD's own data shows racial disparities in its enforcement activities, and though that data likely un understates the actual disparities because LMPD has failed to document thousands of police encounters in black neighborhoods. As we explain later, LMPD reviewed, received reports consistently 
showing that officers disproportionately stopped and searched black drivers. And the next section says, because overall disparities may result from factors other than discriminatory policing, we conducted more refined analysis to account for race neutral factors. Overall, statistical experts analyzed databases containing all of LMPD's reported traffic stops from 2016 to 2021. To account for potential race neutral explanations and disparities, our experts analyzed LMPD's treatment of black and white drivers observed engaging in comparable driving behavior, including the same type of traffic violations and whether officers described cars as suspicious. The next section says minor traffic offenses. LMPD disproportionately stops and cites black drivers for minor traffic offenses, such as equipment violations of proper tags, wide turns and failure to signal overall from 2016 to 2021. Black drivers were 1.8 times as likely to be cited for an equipment violation than white drivers. Black drivers were nearly twice as likely as white drivers to be cited for having one headlight out. 3.6 times as likely to be cited for improperly tinted windows and 4.7 times as likely to be cited for improper tags. If these offenses are considered along with several others, other less uh, serious offenses, Black drivers were 1.8 times as likely to be cited for minor violations as shown in the chart. Moreover, LMPD enforces traffic laws differently in black neighborhoods. LMPD cites drivers for minor violations throughout the throughout Louisville in areas where with a very low black population. For example, about 45 percent of LMPD's traffic citations involve minor violations. But in areas with a majority black population, LMPD's proportion of minor violation citations jumped to more than 70%. Black residents told us that officers stopped them repeatedly and treat them unfairly. One told us that being stopped made him feel less than human, like he had was like he was locked down in a room and someone outside was telling him, "I will I will let you go if you do what I tell you to do." So, I'm going to dive into this a little bit because man, it on paper, it yeah, it looks bad and it sounds horrendous because of the disparity. But when it comes to talking about the black community in Louisville and the white community, there is definitely a disparity. What people don't realize is a lot of these traffic stops that happen in predominantly black parts of town are by white officers. And I'm here to tell you now that there's going to be disparity in the numbers because honestly, I tell people if people don't want to hear this. Black people act different than white people on traffic stops sometimes. And we have to take into account the history between black people and police. It ain't a good history, y'all. It is not a good history. I have conducted many traffic stops down in the West End myself, where the first thing I do when I walk up to a car after I stop it and say, hi, I'm Officer Pitts, uh, Louisville Metro Police Department. The reason I stop you, the fuck you want from me, nigga? That's the response I get. And I always say, hey, man, I'm going to start this over. My name is Officer Pitts from Louisville Metro Police Department. The reason I stopped you, the fuck you won't, man. All right, bro. All right. That's strike two, bro. The next thing you know, I'm writing this dude a ticket for all the offenses I can because he has an attitude and I'm trying to do my job. And see what this report does not go into that. It just shows that, yes, black people are ticketed at a higher level and rate. And what you're trying to say is that officers are doing it solely because people are black. And that's not the case. There are a lot of things that take into consideration and a lot of things that have to go into context with these numbers that aren't mentioned in this report. Yes, the numbers sound bad, but people, like I said, people, the DLJ don't understand. The West End is not the same as the East End, man. 
the attitude and the vibe is different. And I'm not sitting here saying that if there's a white officer that's out here going around just looking to punish black people, I don't want that guy around. I don't want that guy on this department or this platoon. But are those, are, are there those people out there? Of course they are. I don't know who they are because I've never met them. They're not going to tell me they hate niggas. They're not going to do it. If you a young white officer, you stop somebody and you're working in the hood and you stop a car with a black guy in it, and this dude's giving you attitude and you're trying to be nice and not trying to go this route. Dude, ego and pride are definitely going to get involved and you're going to be tired of fit up. You know what you're going to say? The hell with it there, bro. I'm just going to cite this dude with everything that I can. Attitude goes a long way on a traffic stop. Yo, I mean, hell, there's white people out there that get tickets, plenty of tickets because they got an attitude, man. And the crime in Louisville's black community is disproportionate when compared to the white communities in Louisville. The West End is the highest crime rating place in the city. So guess what? There's going to be more aggressive officers. There's going to be more proactivity down there as opposed to a white part of the city like Middletown in the East End and the, the, lake, and the uh, Fort lake Forest, man. There's not going to be as much police activity out that way. There's not going to be as many traffic stops. There's not going to be as many citations written. You know, there's definitely a difference between the blacks and white community. And you, we can go back through history and look at red line and all these other things and slavery point fingers all day and say this is why the black community is suffering and the white community is not. So to, to some of these things, there's a lot of truth to it. White people did have an economic advantage in this country because of slavery. So black people are centuries behind. But at the same time, that does not mean that we get to use race as an excuse for everything. Especially when you look at this fact, the fact that the other day I saw this fact when reading this report that 71% of Louisville's homicide victims are black. 71%, man. That's a high number. Extremely high number. And we're going to look at and listen to this report that's pretty much saying that the police are just absolutely horrible and awful and racist. But at the same time, if you look at that 71% of black males being killed in the hood, it ain't being killed by police. They're being killed by people from their neighborhood that look like them. There's homicides out in the East End in the nice white part of town. But guess what? Those homicides are not necessarily the same. Those are usually domestic involved murder suicide type bits. And then we do have some crime that eventually tiptoes his ways out there. But a lot of that time it's from people from the hood West End going out to the East End to do dirt. That's just how it works. Why am I going to stay in the hood stealing when there ain't nothing down here to steal? I'm going to go out to where all the nice stuff set. I'm not going to stay a stick stays down in the hood doing all my dirt. You know, and I feel like the DOJ is playing with the words in this thing and so instead of saying that the doj is using words like targeting black people but instead the word should be really targeting crime you know i remember when uh the old chief that's gone erica shields came in and was like going with the whole brianna taylor thing was going on you know, and all this other stuff and she made this comment about how racist we were that you know y'all don't police like this in the white neighborhoods and I'm like, you're 100% right. No, people don't. The thing is, officers are afraid to say that out loud because if you say anything like that out loud, you're going to be deemed a racist and, you know, then your career is going to be over. And also, but that's because, man, officers have to police a certain way in the hood. You can be nice as much as you want to be, but sometimes you're going to have to take it up a notch and be an asshole because sometimes people don't respond to niceness in the hood. I had to get th to get that through my thick black skin when I started because I'm a nice guy. I'm, I, I hate being controversial. 
I don't like yelling and cursing at people. But sometimes I can only, hey, man, if you don't mind, man, could you do this for me, please? Please, 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 could you do this, man? Man, fuck you, nigga. It's like, hey, hey, all right, you know what? Here's the deal. This is what's going to go down then, bro. You're going to tell, you're going to do what I tell you to do. And that's, see, this, uh, this report does not take that to account. You can't just necessarily go out into the East End of Louisville and just, you can't go out there and just start motherfucking people. I'm sorry, you can't. You're going to get in trouble. You can't really do that downtown either. But there's certain times in this profession when you got to turn on <laughs> turn on the Jets, bro. You got to take it to the next level. Because if you don't, nobody's going to respect you. And guess what, man? Nobody's going to listen to you and do anything you ask them to do. They're going to think you're a punk and they're going to walk all over you and make your life hell while you're involved with them. Some people say, well, that's old school thinking. It might be, man. But I'm just telling you from experience Nice guys finish last in this damn profession currently. And I know because I've been a nice guy for too long. You know, that after Chief Shield makes that quote about us not policing the same way in the white neighborhoods as we do in the black neighborhoods, which honestly I think police adapt to the to their environment and they take on their environment when they police. You have to. You have to be you have to be a chameleon in this job, man. But you know, after she made that comment, she said she start, started this uh a violent crime task force. And guess what? She didn't put none of those violent crime task force out in the white neighborhoods in the East End. Why? It's not because she's white and she like white people, but because there's no violent crime to be fought out in the East End. So where are you going to put your resources on a violent crime task force? Well, guess what? I'm going to take my resources and put them in violent crime areas. And where are those violent crime areas located? Unfortunately, they are in black and brown neighborhoods, man. Why would I put 20 officers on a detail out in the East End when there's not been a, you know, any real crime? Lord knows, and there's not been any real serious crime. That would be a waste of time. No, I'm going to take those guys and put them in the hottest part of the city. I'm going to look at our rundown and say, hey, where have all of our shootings been recently? Oh, 18th and Broadway. You know what we're going to do? We're going to saturate 18th and Broadway. There's no need <laughs> for to have a bunch of officers in tactical gear and running around in unmarked cars on Chamberlain Lane, which is in a really, really nice part of town towards the county line here, man, where nothing literally goes on. The DOJ says that we're unfairly targeting black people, and that's not the case. But police officers have been targeting crime in bad areas. And unfortunately, like I said, that's where a majority of black people and minorities live. And I hate the fact that sometimes people get caught up in the net. And that's been one of the arguments a lot of people have been making, man. We shouldn't just be throwing the net out there and catching anybody we can't catch in it. I, I completely understand that sentiment, and I agree to a I, I agree a little bit, but at the same time, the job has to get done because when we don't cast the net, period, criminals run amok. There's crime everywhere. Violent crime is on the rise, and we've seen that in Louisville over the last few years. And unfortunately, when this consent decree comes down, it's going to get worse. Because the net has gotten so small. And I mean, you understand that the thing of precision policing and intelligence based policing. But the thing is, people in the hood want a safe community. Everybody wants to live in a safe community. What do you have to have to have a safe community? You need police officers, y'all. And you need community involvement. And people need to work with the police, not necessarily trust the police, because man, there is never going to be trust between the black community and the police department. It, just, it will never happen. You know, we, we can mend some stuff and you know, we can you know, 
bridge the gap here and there, yo. But there's always going to be that divide because of the history of black people in this country and police. Man, I mean, that, like I said, that is trauma that has been passed down from generation to generation, bro, that you ain't going to, we ain't going to get rid of that in this lifetime. Never. And I understand the disconnect. But at the same time, I also understand that if you want crime to go down, you want low crime, you have to have more officers in your area. And then as I read through the report, I realized that, that it's not that the DOJ wants everybody to have. I, I know they want everybody to be treated fairly and equally. I, I, I absolutely 100 percent agree with that. But they also want equal outcome, which is the new catchphrase is uh, equity. You know, they they want the equality of outcome where the same amount of white people are getting ticketed for the same things as black people. You're that is a pipe dream that is not going to happen, especially when you have officer discretion. Just because officers, white officers working in the black neighborhood and he cites most of the people that he comes across. That doesn't make that officer a racist, man. It does not. You're just people are just throwing around the word racism racist and discrimination just for the sake of doing so because it's a catchword and a buzz term now yo but that does not detail that officer's character now if you got this white officer on tape giving all these people tickets and at the end of it all the time he says here you go you dirty monkey yeah, that, you know, yeah that, that dude's probably right now not probably he's racist he's racist if he does that but that's not what they're having on these tapes are there examples of officers calling people monkeys yes it happened here in Louisville, man, and that dude, he got dealt with, but he ended up retiring before any real, you know, anything could really happen to him. And it's a shame that somebody like that was on the force for so long. But this is not a perfect profession, man. We have scumbags that seep in through this through the hiring process and get to wear this uniform. And usually nine times out of ten, they, they show them their true colors eventually. Yo, but you can't just sit here and put the term racist and discrimination and discriminatory on an officer that's a good officer that works in a black neighborhood that's doing good work and the thing is you can't tell him you can't cite black people or to cite black people that is that officer's personal choice and decision if he wants to write somebody a ticket so the, what the DOJ wants is like I said they want the same amount of white people to have the same amount of tickets and encounters with cops and that's just never going to happen because the white neighborhood is not the black neighborhood. There's more police activity in black neighborhoods for a reason. God, I feel like I'm speaking in circles because but I am. But my God, it's that simple, man. So the only way to truly solve this discrepancy between black people being stopped and ticketed between white people, the only way to solve that is you would have to get rid of the word officer's discretion. You would have to take away our discretion and we would have to go from a spirit of the law to the letter of the law type of policing. The spirit of the law is where people don't know is, hey, man, I caught this kid with some weed. You know, no, yeah, this is a, no, a misdemeanor. But you know what, man, bro, I'm not even going to hit you with it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this weed. I'm going to stomp it out. And I'm going to let you go about your way, bro. And I'm going to go about my way. Hey, man, make better choices. Go, you know, don't be out here smoking weed. All right. All right. Thanks, officer. That's the spirit of the law. The letter of the law, man, this dude got a, no, he got a, <laughs> he's got six ounces of weed on him. Your ass going to jail and getting a ticket. The letter of the law would end this. The letter of the law would say anytime you officers stop somebody, you have to and you must write them a ticket. 
everybody you stop, you write a ticket. Everybody that's committed a violation, you write a ticket. You don't let anybody go without writing them a ticket or some sort of citation or taking them to jail. That's the only way that that whole discrepancy is going to go away. And even then, there will still be a discrepancy. There will still be a discrepancy because, man, there's going to be more police activity downtown in the hood where the shootings are occurring at, man. So even then, you might shore up the numbers a little bit and get them close but it's still not going to match. It's not going to look right. Like I said, the numbers look horrible, but that's just reality because the situation in the hood is horrible. But we can't talk about that. We can't say that. If you want lower crime, you have to have aggressive policing. You can see this in New York City, man. When New York City had stop and frisk going on, which wasn't really just stop and frisking people, you know, it was detained, stop, then frisk. Man, the crime rate in the city shot down because the police were active and doing their job. But as soon as it went away, crime went back up. I'm not that smart of a man, but I'm going to venture out and say that proactive policing decreases crime. And what have we seen in Louisville over the years since the Mike Brown incident, the Ferguson effect? Violent crime has been on a rise in the city because police proactivity has been going down. And why is police activity going down? Because of the DOJ, political leaders saying that cops are racist and they're stopping black people for simply being black, which is not true. When there's no proof of that, you're just looking at the numbers, but the numbers don't tell the entire story. You got to look at the video and you got to look at each officer and take each officer into account. And this report does not do that. And it's clear that the DOJ the Louisville government and LMPD commanders do not want proactive policing because this is what happens when you get proactive policing. You're going to get numbers that are disproportionate. And, you know, you could look at this whole report, and say, well, they must love Asian people. They don't ever stop Asian people. Well, there's like one, two percent of the community. Of course, they're not going to it's not going to show a lot of encounters with Asian people, bro. Like, you know, it says we don't look at this stuff from this perspective, man. They just look at it as. These numbers show that y'all are racist. And that is the simple way to look at it. And it's so unfair. And it's not fair to the officers in Louisville. And I hate this. And it's not fair to the citizens in Louisville either. And I hate that the black community is disproportionately affected because the black community struggles economically, always has. Where there's economic struggle and there's poverty, there's crime. And where you find crime, you're going to find young, hungry cops ready to serve and stop criminals and fight crime. But unfortunately, people get caught up in the net. That is just part of doing business. But that's where and when you have to have an officer with good discretion that realizes, man, I'm out here making 10 traffic stops a night. And I catch this young cat, you know, with, a, you know, an expired tag and. You know, he's really respectful and nice and you know, clean and he's got insurance. He just made a mistake. That's where you have to have the discretion to say, am I going to take this guy's money from him and give it to the government because he made a mistake and forgot to register his tags? Now, I tell people, <coughs> excuse me, that offense to me, it's a fix a ticket. The way I operate, if I got mine, you better have yours. But also, I mean, I had the other night at work where I stopped these two people. They were clearly homeless. Living in their cars, they were trespassing on a lot. And I asked them, like, man, look, y'all tags are super expired. You're like, what's your current situation financially? They said, man, we don't have any money. And I thought to myself, like, yo, 
if I take this moment to write these people a ticket and tell them you got three months to come up with enough money to fix this issue or else you're going to get a warrant for your arrest. And I was like, man, th thinking about the current economy, America's current economic status, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to write y'all a warning right now because me taking money from you and putting it in the hands of the government is not going to help your situation at the current moment. And y'all know how I feel about the government right now. The hell with the government, man. I thought about those people as an individual, as individuals. I didn't look, see them as a stat. And I said, that's because I've been doing this 13 years, but you have a young officer that comes across that. That's trying to make a reputation for himself. Wants to be on the, you know, the Dean's list of with police officers. He wants to be on his a sergeant's good side. Man, he wants to be an active officer. He wants to do the job. He's not going to let those people go. And you know what? That's okay because he's well within his legal limits to write them a citation. It might be morally wrong, but legally he's right. And you can't take away that away from officers because it disproportionately affects one group more than the other. It sucks, but that's just the reality of life, people, and it ain't fair. You know, this report focuses so heavy on trying to make officers look like racist, like we're just unfairly going after the black community, and that's not the case. We're chasing crime, and it happens in a certain area. I mean, I've been on 13 years, man. I tell you, I ain't never been to a roll call and been around officers where somebody's like, hey, man, pitch, I can't wait to go out here. Let's go Negro hunt tonight. Man, I'm going I'm to take at least tens of these son bitches tonight, these black sons of bitches, man. I can't wait to get out here. I'm riding every black son of a bitch I come across the ticket pits. I ain't never heard that in my career. Not once. What I do here is, hey, we're going to go out here tonight. We're going to do our jobs. And then we have competitions on platoons and the police departments. Like we said, we don't have quotas. Quotas are illegal in policing. So instead of having quotas, we have competitions. Like I used to have when I was working in the hood back in the second division. We come into work and our sergeant be like, hey, whoever finds the first gun gets to go home early or gets, gets a uh, Kelly day, gets a free day, a free day off. Or whoever finds the oldest expired tag today gets to go home early. Or they have a competition. Whoever gets the most warrants and the most guns, you know, gets like a three-day weekend and a barbecue, bro. They have ways of motivating officers and troops to go out and do the job. And people are gonna say that's wrong. Like, no, that's not wrong. Because as a police officer, what is your job? To go and fight crime and seek out evildoers. That's your job. And you got to ask yourself as a sergeant, how do I motivate these guys to go out here and do their job? The sergeant's not telling you to go out and target black people. If you are a white officer and you work in the hood, guess who you're going to be stopping 99% of the time? Black people. It's that simple. It's not racial. It's not discrimination. It's not discrimination. It's just the way things are, man. So the only way that that, like I said, that would stop is if we take away officer discretion and we just tell black white officers, don't do anything. Don't stop anybody. Just lay down. Don't do your job. You know, here in Kentucky, we have KRS, Kentucky Revised Statute. And there are certain things within KRS that says that an officer shall arrest. We have shall statutes, kind of like uh Domestic violence. When you come across in a domestic violence incident, it says in there, officers shall arrest. Or we come across with a warrant, 
it should be officer shall arrest. The officer does not have discretion when he when we come across a statute and it's a shall arrest a statute. Like I said, so if you want to have equal proportion for white people and black people as close as possible, you're going to have to go into KRS and turn every single violation and every law into a shall arrest. That way we're taking all of the racial things out of it. You know, we're just going to say, hey, everybody that violates this law goes to jail. Everybody who, you know, drives without driver's license gets a ticket. Everybody who runs a light, you know, a light, a red light gets a ticket. It's a shower for everybody. But like I said, there will still be a disparity issue. I made this, uh, <coughs> excuse me, this funny post the other night, kind of a satire thing I wrote between a conversation between the DOJ and white police officers. I put it on my Facebook. It said, uh, DOJ, all white LMPD officers working in black areas are racist and unfairly target black people. White officers responds, white officers submit transfer requests to patrol in the minority majority white part of town in order not to be viewed as a racist and to just remove themselves from the situation. The DOJ responds with, you all are submitting those transfer requests because you are racist and hate being around black people. You're racist for not wanting to work here. White officers stare in confusion. <laughs> you know, so I posted that, man. I think some people think that that actually came from the report. I was like, no, that's just my interpretation of what the report kind of sounds like. Like, I'll be out to be honest. I feel for white officers right now, dude. I really do, man. I feel for everybody that's in policing wearing the uniform, yo, but especially white officers because there is literally nothing you can do to win. I mean, you can get down on a knee and take a fist like Colin Kaepernick with cornrows in your head, and they're going to say that you are a cultural appropriation. <laughs> There's just nothing y'all are going to be able to do to win, man. And it's just like, do you just come to work and not do your job and just lay down and not stop anybody? Because if you do stop people, if you're good at your job and you work in a black neighborhood, you're going to look racist because you stop so many black people. But there's literally nobody else to stop. What are officers supposed to do, man? I don't know. So the next section in here, moving on from how racist we all are and how much we hate Negroes, according to the DOJ. Protest response. Oh, boy, this section in one here says, likewise, protesters may find police presence provocative. Inappropriate actions by individuals in either group can quickly escalate to the detriment of both public safety and free speech. Challenges multiply if a few violent people hide many hide among many peaceful protesters or if individual police officers use excessive force. But these factors do not make police protests so inherently violent, lawless or dangerous as to be entitled less First Amendment protection. And going on, it says for nearly five months, LMPD responded to near daily protests for racial justice and police accountability. These events often involve both a large group or many peaceful people who lawfully denounce police brutality and a much smaller number of violent criminals who use firearms, incendiary devices, and projectiles to injure first responders and civilians and damage public and private property. Events were especially chaotic and dangerous at times, but not always. Many events and a vast majority of protesters were peaceful when subject to disposal order, dispersal orders, force, or arrests. 
The scene was often stable when LMPD used force and arrested a person who verbally challenged police action. LMPD did not always fairly distinguish the, these cases, but sometimes conflated the protest message with disorder and danger, indiscriminately used force and in, or inappropriately arrested peaceful and law-abiding protesters. Now, I'm going to call out and say that's bullshit on all fronts because I was there for almost 80% of it. I missed the first whole couple weeks of protesting because I was still in Arizona trying to get back. So protests sparked in May of 20, May 28th of 2020. But I was back on the line by June 15th of 2020. And I can tell you firsthand, there were peaceful people there. Absolutely there were. There's more so peaceful people than violent people. Of course. Just, and I'm going to say the same. There's more good police officers than there are bad police officers. But the actions of a few tarnish the many. And my God, we got tarnished by the few and that caused many of us to act out and to do our jobs and respond with force. LMPD officers sometimes use riot sticks, less lethal munitions, or chemical agents against protesters who did no more than passively resist or, dis or disperse more slowly than officers desired. Let me tell you something, man. When there's dozens, hundreds of people in the street and we have our LRAT system, Man, we would let that system go off and it would say, this is the Louisville Metro Police Department. This protest has been you know, considered unlawful under KRS section such and such. We ask that you peacefully move to the sidewalk. Man, we would do that for freaking 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour sometimes to get people to leave the street. And the DOJ saying that because people weren't moving at a pace fast enough. No, people weren't flipping moving, DOJ. I was there. People were like throwing the finger to us. Fuck you. Fuck your families. We're going to kill you. You know, hey, yeah, we're not leaving. We're not moving. This was a complete, the, the DOJ just completely missed the shot on this one, man. Saying that our response was not right and correct. Man, we did what we had to do in those moments and with very little direction or guidance. We were literally outnumbered on all fronts. So we had to take action. People were not leaving the street. People were breaking the law and doing everything they could in front of us. People were assaulting us, throwing stuff at us, yelling at us. Man, two of my friends got shot in front of me, DOJ. But y'all don't give a shit about that. Y'all just care about the few peaceful protesters that were there. Of course, hey, great. I'm glad they came out and protested. But that wasn't our focus. We weren't looking for those people. And we found a lot more people out there. <clears throat> running like it was like in a freaking insurgency man every day and every night if you read my book i am pitt's memoirs of an american patriot man you will see firsthand what it was really like for us out there on the streets 2020 in 2020 day in and day out and they say this only went on for months you know this went on for almost an entire freaking year yo like we it was ongoing and the doj is completely missing on this one man it really pisses me off and for them to say that our police presidents was prov no, provoking people, no, it was the exact opposite way around. When people are breaking the law and in the streets protesting, the police are going to come. We have to. But guess what? They are the ones that were provoking us day in and day out. And it got to the point to where our command was like, yo, we're not responding because they want us to respond. And my response was, yo, well, we're just going to let them do whatever they want and break the law. Bro, they had the dude, the uh, key protester that died. Let's see, Tez, uh, Chris Wells. You're like, they would go out every day and walk down the street. Yo, would just take up the street, 
block people from driving, Americans from being able to freely travel in this country so that they could have their little dumbass protest, yo, but that we wouldn't respond because our command got became afraid to go and encounter these people because every time we went to encounter, there was always a problem and then there was always some sort of use of force because people are breaking the law, but that's why we have law enforcement officers to enforce the law. But we let people do whatever the hell they want. Bro, they had us by our balls for months and we didn't do a damn thing. Nothing. Oh, man, look at the time. It's ticking, man. I'm an hour and 45 in, bro. I hope y'all still sticking with me. So we're going to move on to another section. Something else that popped out to me in this report was <laughs> this small section. And I made a post on Facebook and nobody really commented on it because I think people are afraid to be viewed as racist. But and the deal, the, a, a quote from the report from the black youth in Louisville. It said, black youth in Louisville told us how they experience interactions with officers. They feel intimidated, mad, scared, panicked, and paranoia. They describe LMPD as a gang. And let me tell you something, man. I'm not going to sit here and make a blanket statement and say that all black kids in Louisville are bad. That is not the case. But there is a fair amount of these little bastards in Louisville that are causing chaos throughout the city and have for years. I mean, man, anytime there's a major event downtown, there is always, always a contingent of young black kids from the hood that come downtown and cause chaos. And I don't want to hear, man, they're just kids, bro. They, you know, they just have, no, they're not having fun. Bro, there's kids with guns and, I mean, all types of other crap going on, fights. They ruin it for everybody. Nobody wants to say anything because these kids are black and everybody's afraid to be deemed a racist because they call out bad behavior in black youth. Well, I'm not afraid to call out bad behavior in black youth. And these little bastards, got, it's got to stop, man. So I read that quote. And after I read that quote, I came across a video of an incident that happened in Louisville last week. We have in Louisville the Man Slick Roller Dome, the roller skate ring, where a lot of black kids go and skate. Typically, there's not a lot of problems. But on this night, there was a big problem. There was a big-ass fight at the roller rink, and it emptied out into the streets. Then after that, these kids went to the nearest family dollar, and they went in there, and they destroyed the place. They looted it, man. I mean, they destroyed this place. It was embarrassing. And I came across a lady. I'm not going to say her name on here. But she took video of the incident. And as you can see, it's nothing but a sea of black kids out here acting donkey. And she says, y'all need to get y'all kids. This is on Manslick at the Family Dollar. I just wanted a pan for my wing boil. Bro, these kids destroyed this place. You could just hear them yelling and screaming, yo. And, dude, nobody. I made that post when I said, uh, you know, LMPD, the the black kids see LMPD as a gang. And I put uh, below that also black youth in Louisville with the black uh, emoji finger pointing down to this video. So it's just like, man, you don't get to play the victim in this city and say, yeah, man, we're being unfairly treated and targeted by LMPD. You know, they're treating us bad because we're black. Like, no, we're not treating you bad because you're black. We're treating you. We're treating you. you no, know, we're enforcing law against you because y'all are bad as fuck. That's why it has nothing. It has nothing to do with you being black. But you being black is just a happenstance. It don't matter. It could have been 100 white kids down there, man. LMPD would have responded the same. Because we can't have you know, just rows of juvenile, unsupervised juveniles going around everywhere, man. We saw what happened at the waterfront. And it's every year. Every time there's a major event downtown, every year. Man, I mean, we had the, the Pegasus Parade downtown. We had young black kids out there shooting at each other in front of at the parade a couple years ago. 
and nothing happened to this little bastard that shot them people, man. Nothing happened, man. This and this is the shame of it all because this happens and we can't say anything about it. And people are afraid to say, you know, call out the facts. If there's a group of black kids doing something, you can't say that little group, that group of black kids over there is bad as hell. You can't say that because you'll be dinged a racist, even though you're calling it out as it's happening. And the fact is, if it's a group of black kids. It is what it is. But we can't do that for some odd reason in this country, man. Everybody's terrified. But you know, your boy Dex, I don't give a damn. I'm going to tell you what it is. I don't care if you listen to this and report me. I could care less. I'm not backing down on that for anybody. Bro, nobody should have to live in a community and be held hostage by a gang of juveniles, man. I mean, you look at all the crime we have in the city. It's unfortunately being caused by majority of young black youth. It's a problem, but we don't talk about it. Not allowed to say nothing about it. You getting your kids stolen? Fortune's probably by young black youth, but you can't say that. And then moving back on to the DOJ report. So I'm not really going to dive into this real deep, yo, because we have more than enough evidence and news footage over the last few years of LMPD when it comes to sexual assault and domestic violence crimes by LMPD. Man, we have the Explore Sex Program, bro. We know all about it. Officers taking advantage of younger young people that want to be cop show and screwing them. Like that made, oh man, that put us on the national map. Yeah, but not in a good way, man. I was so embarrassed when I learned about that whole incident with the Explorers, man. And it still haunts me. I just hate it, man. Like, God, you think, you know, you're supposed to be able to trust your local cops. You're supposed to be able to trust the cop next door. But it turns out cops are people and cops are flawed. And there are some that are absolute scumbags that deserve the absolute worst punishment that we can find. And the people that were involved in the Explorer case, every last one of them, even the ones that didn't end up going to jail, the commanders that knew that this crap was going on and tried to cover it up. And for some odd reason, nothing happened to them. Yo, but of course, they got the people at the bottom. Man, it just it pisses me off. And honestly, it's stuff like that that happens that kills our credibility and kills our legitimacy within the community. And so like, I'm not going to get deep into that. Because we all know there's nothing I can say or dispute about that. But all I can say is most of us are good. Like 90, 98 percent of us are good cops. But that small batch of bastards in uniform that are deviant and sexual perverted, sexually perverted. We have them amongst us, man. And, you know, we just had another incident. It's kind of talked about in this report of an officer that was a detective who resigned a couple years ago, was under investigation because he was having sex with CIs and forcing them to perform sexual acts on them. And apparently, for some odd reason, man, like we had the evidence to, you know, prove this guy was guilty. But, but for some odd reason, the, the, the grand jury decided there wasn't enough evidence anymore to prosecute this guy. But there is a letter in the file in the file in the investigation that says we have enough to prosecute you, but and enough evidence to know that you're guilty. But, you know, we, we, we can't because the statute of limitations is gone. So this guy does all this stuff and gets away with it, man. And they just published an article on it like a week ago. And I was like, man, this is why people don't trust the police departments. When you had this guy who was clearly violating these women using his oath and his badge to do so. And I know the guy. I know him well. Well, I'm not saying I know him well. I know him good enough. And I was shocked and I was like, man, that's that's horrible. And I'm not going to support anything that he did and say it was okay. It wasn't. It's just not. There's nothing about that's great because it tarnished the badge. It tarnished the uniform. 
that me and many others work so hard to try to build these gaps between us and the community. Yo, but man, it takes one person to undo so much work. And man, I'm not going to sit here and dog this guy because I mean, man, he's going to have to deal with God. He's got to have to answer for it. I mean, you might get away here on earth, but you know, we all got to answer to God eventually. You know, I hope he gets help and I hope he takes care of whatever he needs to take care of. Yo, but I'm just glad that he's no longer on the department. I'm not I'm not going to sit like so I'm not going to dog this guy. If I see this guy in public, I'm going to say, hey, and I'm going to be courteous and respectful. To him. I'm not going to treat him like a scumbag, even though I don't like what he did. And I don't ever I won't ever agree with it. Won't agree with it, man. But, dude, man, it just stuff like that just makes us look bad. But also the DOJ has put some stuff in this report that makes them look bad because, I mean, like I told you, this is a bunch of lawyers and FBI agents doing this investigation. And there's one part in here that talks about gender bias. And I just got to read this because it's almost like the, uh, the court finding for the officer. I was just talking about where it says we have enough evidence to convict you, but we can't. You know, like I, I, and I saw this in the report and it says, uh, Although we do not find reasonable cause, there's that word again, at this time, to believe that LMPD practices result in gender bias in violation of federal law, we do believe that gender bias may be interfering with LMPD's handling of sexual assault, domestic violence, and officers' sexual misconduct. I read that, you know, and I was absolutely shocked because I'm like, you can't even do that in court. The judge is going to laugh you out of the building and says, like, hey, we we had we don't have physical evidence, but we know you did it. We know you're guilty. That's that doesn't meet the standard to prove somebody guilty that we know you did it. Like that don't that don't cut it. And for the DOJ to actually put that in the report, I'm like, that kills your credibility. That to me, that kills so much in this thing to say that, hey, we, we well, that's your problem. But we don't find any signs of that problem. That's a little weird. That, that shouldn't be in there. And I'm going to keep it moving. It talks about LMPD discriminates people with disabilities. And I'm just like, what? That's a new one. Like, I haven't even heard of that. Yo, but they were saying that the way we handle our people in crisis is apparently not correct. But I'm just at the same time, I'm like, man, uh, clearly but this is by people who don't know anything about policing or responding to somebody in crisis. So, man, I mean, we don't have enough resources in the city to deal with with mentally ill people we just don't so we run our answers off all over the city with the same people day in and day out man i feel like killing myself get in the car take it to the hospital bro or like hey man i know somebody's like i feel like killing myself officer get in the car well i'm not going well you're gonna have to go because you're a danger to yourself and possibly the public the next you know we have to go hands-on and use force and they're saying well you got to de-escalate well i'm trying but you can't really de-escalate a crazy person who's not living in the same reality as you. you know, it, the, the report loses this perception. And they say that we use too much force on people. You know, somebody pointed out to me you know, that anytime that anytime we put handcuffs on somebody, it counts as a use of force from what I was hearing. And apparently people that we put handcuffs on people sometimes that are involved in these mental, you know, mental health issues cases. <coughs> and the truth is they're we're not using force. We're putting the handcuffs on to prevent the further use of things getting violent. And it's not a necessarily a form of force. It's a detainment and detention because we have an MIW or we have reason or cause to believe that you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else. So we have to take you in. It's not a use of force. 
putting on handcuffs is not a use of force. But apparently the DOJ sees it as a use of force. All right, people, keep sticking with me. We're, we're getting to the bottom of this thing. We're getting close, man. Now, moving on to the next section, the complaint process. Says, LMPD imposes unnecessary burdens on civilian complaints. LMPD discourages residents from filing misconduct complaints by imposing unnecessary burdens. I think that's a stretch and a play on words, DOJ. In Kentucky, complaints that do not allege criminal misconduct must include a sworn affidavit. But even without such an affidavit, LMPD may still investigate allegations of its own and discipline officers if investigators independently substantiate their allegations. Rather than freely accepting complaints of officer misconduct, however, LMPD imposes numerous barriers not required by state law. Police departments that value accountable inc- accountability encourage community members to share concerns about officer misconduct. LMPD's complaint intake process discourages reports of misconduct and departs from best practices. Really? <laughs> Unlike LMPD, several other law enforcement agencies in Kentucky, all subject to similar state law requirements, allow officers outside of internal affairs to accept complaints, permit civilians to submit complaints by phone or email and accept anonymous complaints. As a result of his practices, LMPD receives few civilian complaints. In 2020, for example, LMPD reported investigating just 43 civilian complaints of officer misconduct, an extremely low number for a department with about 1,000 officers compared to departments of similar size around the country. See, that's actually kind of false because if somebody comes up to me and tells me, man, I was raped by an officer, I have to accept that complaint and I have to do something with it. Now, I'm not going to investigate it, yo, but I have to be like, yo, Sarge, I just got approached by this lady saying that this officer that works in this division raped her. Uh, To me, that is accepting a complaint. And me failing to do so would be a dereliction of my duty and my oath to this community and the Commonwealth, man, and the Constitution. And I'm kind of 50-50 on this. I do believe that the complaint process should be easy. They're saying that LMPD's complaint process is not, but I don't believe that's true. I mean, people file complaints on officers all the time. But at the same time, I feel like officers should be protected against false complaints. And Lord knows your boy has been on the opposite end of a false complaint many times that all been turned out to not be true because people be lying. Y'all y'all might now accept it or believe it, but guess what? Sometimes people come and lie on the police all the time. That's why I'm like, thank God I got body camera. So the whole, the whole thing behind our process being, you know, burdening civilians, it should, it shouldn't be super burdensome, but it shouldn't be super easy as well. Yo, like there, you, if you're going to file a complaint, like you're messing with somebody's career, you better come with all the facts and come correct. Yes. And some people, that's not fair. You're going to make people scared to complain. Well, yo, if it really happened, man, you should come complain. But if you are sitting here like, man, this dude was rude to me, man. He was an asshole. He called me a nigga on a traffic stop. And you know that that didn't happen. You should really think twice about filing a complaint. So I'm kind of glad we have all these barriers in place to kind of help protect officers against false complaints. Although there needs to be more, but we can't, you know, just, I mean, if we took every complaint that came in through the door, bro, I mean, it would be a never ending, never ending thing of complaints, man. <laughs> and you know, I had another section on here, man, about uh, the invest internal affairs investigations, man. But honestly, I ain't gonna lie y'all. I'm tired. My throat hurts. My ears hurt. So I'm going to go ahead and get ready to wrap this thing on up. 
You know, that's that's what I found in the report so far that to me that has just been very eye opening. And I just kind of wanted to go buy it with you all. Just give you my 10 cents on it. I mean, man, this report, I guess there's stuff in here that's real, but there's stuff in here that's real fake as well. And there's stuff in here that's real subjective. I mean, man, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that LMPD is perfect and that there ain't no problems. That is not the case. There's plenty of here that can be corrected and made right through this report, just like the uh, officers not being supported. You know, there's a part in here I didn't get to you that talks about officers, uh, police supervisors not doing enough to catch bad cops early. I mean, we had the officer that hit the guy in the head with a stick during the riot. So that dude had 26 complaints lodged against him and right up. So many officers came to commanders like, yo, this dude's got to go. He's horrible. He's you know, he's not a good dude. And, you know, by the time it was too late, this dude had already assaulted somebody. Now he's in jail for two years, man. So, you know, there are definitely things that have to improve around LMPD. But don't let this report blind you and make you think that everything at LMPD is all bad. Remember, 2016, we were an ideal police department. And I have a hard time believing that in 2016, we have fallen that far from glory, man. And so everybody's like, so what what do we need to do, man? What's what's the solution? What's the deal? And I'm going to talk about this It's probably going to make some people mad, but I don't care because I'm not here to sugarcoat anything, man. And I'm going to talk about the black community because this report focuses heavily on LMPD and our treatment towards the black community. Everyone is yelling that the police need to change. And I'll be the first to tell you, man, the police department should always be evolving. Man, this is a career that is constantly changing and you have to change with it sometimes whether we like it or not, you know, and there's going to be changes that come from this report you know, that have to happen. But man, we can reform the police department all we want. But let me tell you something. There's something until the people we are policing a community that is overrun with violence, recklessness and homelessness and just fatherless children, you know, a, a community with no vows, no values and priorities, man. Until that community is ready to change as well, nothing will change. You can change the police all day. But until the people the police are policing are willing to look at the mirror and accept some of the responsibility and the burden of the crime in their community, it ain't going to change not a damn thing, man. We are only one proponent of the issue and the problem that people are perceiving. No, the police, we are only one peg on this whole thing and it takes so many other pegs to hold this thing and prop this thing up but for some odd reason we're only looking at the police and we're throwing everything at the feet of the police officer the good and the bad and when it all goes down and when it breaks down we just throw it all at the police officer's feet and says it's y'all's fault fix it only wanting to hold the police accountable honestly i really believe that that is the core of the problem we're having here you know don't get me wrong I'm not going to sit here and say we should be abstaining ourselves from all responsibility and accountability. That's I'm never going to say that to y'all because I know that things could be better. There's things we could do better. There's ways we could document things better. There's accountability systems and things that we could do better on the, on the half of the police department. But at the same time, you ask me, the real problem is that the government and politicians will not let the black community save itself for some odd reason. I don't know why, what it is, and I kind of talked about it earlier, but we can say 
Man, if there's a mass shooting that happens tonight and a white guy goes into a movie theater and kills 40 people, man, we can say, man, them white folks crazy, y'all. Them white folks then out there and committed another mass murder, another mass homicide, killed all them people for no reason. Well, white people, man, oh, my God, they got problems. We can say that and nobody blinks or bats an eye. But if we go out and say, man, there's a problem in the black community. These young black kids are running amok in the city, shooting and killing everybody, shooting each other, shooting themselves and stealing cars out here, causing problems and being disrespectful. Man, there, there's a problem in the black community. <gasps> oh, you can't say that, man. Did you just say that? Yes, I did. But for some odd reason, if we say that there's a problem in the black community, everybody gets hushed and everybody gets quiet. If you say that, your entire career could end. It happened to an officer I know in a training in, in a training thing, man. She brought up hit with facts that, hey, there's a racial problem in the city and black people are you know, disproportionately committing more crime. It was the end of her career. And I know her. And they said she's racist. She's not racist. I worked with this woman in the black community for a long time. Good person, man. But for some odd reason, black people in America and the black community has become a sacred cow. And we can't talk about it. We can't look at it. We can't say anything about it. Negative, even if the numbers support and you know, support the facts. When you bring up black crime or anything, man, people get quiet. And people turtle up and they go into their shell and they become recluse and they don't want to talk about it because it is wrong and it's racist if you talk about it. I talk about it because I care and I want to see the black community thrive and do better. You know, if you get sick and you start coughing and start having all these problems and you go to the doctor and you get a cancer diagnosis and you just ignore it and go home about your life. The cancer does not just simply magically go away. But when you talk to your doctor and your doctor says, hey, you've got cancer. That's the diagnosis. And you say, you know what, doc? I hear you. What are we going to do about it? That's when you and the doctor get together and you come up with a game plan to figure out how to fight the cancer, how to get your life back. And that's the problem we're having with the black community right now. And like I said, the only reason I bring this up because the black community and the DOJ and politicians feel like the black community is unfairly targeted. It's, like I said, there, there's always a little truth to it, but there's also a misrepresentation of numbers and facts and context that is left out. Like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say that it doesn't happen, but I'm not going to sit here and say that it happens the way that they describe it. But the, the, the black community currently has a cultural cancer. And unfortunately, nobody wants to talk about the diagnosis of cultural cancer in the black community. And so the black community just goes about its daily life as it is and not addressing this cancer that's killing it and killing off its young men. To me, that's tragic. To me, I'd rather speak up and speak out against the cancer in the black community, not to shame the black community, but to help the black community. Acknowledging that there's a problem does not mean that we're saying that all black people in the black community are bad or that we're stupid or dumb. That's not the case. We're just saying let's acknowledge it and let's fix it and make it better because we're on a trajectory that we're not going to make it, man. Black violence is killing off our greatest, the next generation of great young black men. I care. 
That bothers me. That worries me, man. I don't want to see that. I want to see more young black lives saved. I want to see young, more black men come up out of the good, the hood and do and go on and achieve great things and raise black families, man. I want to see young black men become fathers and do better than their dads did for them. I don't get any joy out of sitting here saying that there's a problem in the black community. And we need to fix it. Some people think I get a joy out of it or that I'm just an Uncle Tom tap dancing, tap dancing for the white people. No, man, I've seen enough black destruction in the hood while I'm in while I was in my police uniform. I'm tired of it. That's why I left. The DOJ could step in here and put LMPD on this consent decree and make all these freaking changes. And I'm telling you from from what I have researched, anytime a police department and city goes on a consent decree, it gets worse. Crime goes up. I'm telling you, there's going to be less officers, more crime. And it's going to get ugly. And the black community is going to suffer the most out of anybody because the black community has a history of being under underserved for hundreds of years. That is a fact. We can't ignore that. You know, and it's the same with the police department, with the cancer diagnosis. Man, this DOJ report, like I said, there's some stuff in it that's real. There's some stuff in it that's far-fetched. But the fact that there are real stats in here shows that there is a cultural problem with LMPD at certain places and locations. It's just a fact. We can't ignore that. We can't just take this whole report and throw it away and say the DOJ is completely full of shit. But at the same time, the DOJ is crapping down our backs and saying that it's raining Snickers. You can't trust the government, plain and simple. The government is going to use people to, you know, get votes and maintain their power, maintain their, you know, their, their plantation base of votes for the black community. If the government could have fixed the black community already, I'm sure it would have already happened and been done, but it will never happen the black community has to save and fix itself. The police can't do it. We could be an ally and we can assist, but it is up to the black community itself to change. The individual officer can only do so much, but we don't officers don't live in that area for the most part. We go there to work. And then when we're done, we get in our car, company cars and drive back out to the nice suburbs and across the bridge, far away from the chaos, man. We're only there for 10, 12 hours a day, but the black community are the ones that are there day in and day out that have to live with the crime. And I know some of y'all that know my story know that I'm no longer with LMPD. Some of y'all are probably wondering, Dex, why do you even care? You're not even impacted by this the least bit. And that's a good point, I'm not, but I do care. Because I said LMPD has been my home, will always be my home. I have a connection to the people in the West End, the black people down there, because I know how many good people there are down there. There are, man, that place is a majority of hardworking Americans with dark skin, dude, that want to live a good life and just provide for their families and be left alone. But unfortunately, you have a small segment of the population that causes so much chaos and destruction, man. Day in and day out. And the tax black taxpaying citizens have to deal with it. And like I said, unfortunately, sometimes when we're out there fishing for crime, sometimes they get caught in the net. It's not right and it's not fair. But sometimes that is just life and life ain't fair. If you want fair, 
Wait until July, August come around and the state fair comes to Louisville. That's the only way you're going to get fair. You know, and the reason I care so much is because I feel like this report is even though I'm not there, I was here during these times. I was in uniform doing work in the streets when they were doing when they're looking back at this investigation, man. You know, there were some of these incidents that happened in this report. I was I was there for there was one talking about protest report where people were, you know, just in front of a building protesting, though, the news. And I'm like, no, I was there. They were in the street. And so for me, listening to reading some of these stories in this report that I know from a firsthand account is false. To me, it's an insult to me and all the work I have done in that uniform for almost 10, 11 years. It insults me saying that, you know what, I'm not a good officer. And I know damn well that I am. I've said it on this show time and time again. I stand behind everything I have done in that uniform with that LMPD bat patch on my shoulder and that LMPD shield on my chest. You can go back and scrub through all of my videos and look to find anything you want about me. I was a good officer, not a perfect officer. I got a disciplinary history because I've done some dumb stuff, but it was never against people. It was just me doing dumb stuff like forgetting and losing my wallet badge, you know, getting in a car accident or, you know, having an accident or negligent discharge with my shotgun. You know, there was never anything in there against me that said that I was a horrible officer and that I treated people bad. There were claims leveled against me, but they were never proven. Thank God for body camera, because, man, that is one thing I stand on. And that is my word. And that is my belief in this uniform. And that is my belief in this profession, that it is still noble. And the one thing I always want to do is give credit to this profession and what it is. And I want to cause this profession to shine. I want to see LMPD come out of this thing better. I want to see Louisville come out better. I want to see the black community come out stronger, more confident and prosperous. So, yes, I don't wear the LMPD uniform anymore. But that does not mean that I've relinquished my care and concern for the boys and girls in blue over there and for the citizens of Louisville that I will never relinquish that concern because man, I spilled blood in the streets. I've been hurt out in these streets. I've seen people work with friends that have died in these streets, died for the citizens and died for this department. So yes, I'm always going to care and I'm always going to put in my two cents and I'm always going to hold officers to a higher standard than myself because I believe in our job, when we have, when we work for the state for, or for the government, and we have the ability to take somebody's freedom in their life, we damn well better yield that power justly and righteous. It is a big responsibility and it is not something that should be taken lightly. That's why I take it personal when I read this report and it says that we're all crap. That's why I take it personal when an officer does something to betray the badge and the people that he swore to protect. It's personal. You know, there's some people that are gonna listen to this podcast and agree with some of the stuff I said and disagree with some of it as well. And you know what? I am absolutely okay with that. I don't mind because we're not all going to agree. We're not all going to get along. But I hope that you all know that I respect your opinions. Even people I know that I've been talking with on Facebook that have a completely different opinion about the situation and how I view it. I am okay with their opinions, even though I disagree with them. You have the right to be wrong. <laughs> you know, but you know, man, there's so many people that have so many different perspectives on this report. And I'm open to hear and listen to every and anybody's 
perspective on this thing, man. Because I know my perspective is just one. And I think it's a good perspective, but I don't believe that it's the only perspective that should be out there. You know, there's other things I might be looking over that I might not see because I might not be in a certain situation or because I'm not from a certain neighborhood. There's there's so many different ways to look at this thing. And my way to look at it is just that my way from my personal experiences. And to some that might be wrong, but that's absolutely OK. But like I said, I respect everybody's opinions. I hope you all respect mine. I hope you know that nothing I've said in this is to shame the black community or to shame certain officers. All I want to do is shed light on the truth and shed light on this report and things that I agree with and disagree with. I'm not trying to change your mind, your political affiliations. Only thing I'm trying to do is get you to open your mind and see things a little different. And I'm my mind is open to hear and see things from your perspective as well. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I Am Pitts podcast. Man, I'm going to get ready to wrap it up. Y'all get up out of here. It's been two hours and 15 minutes. And I ain't going to lie, I feel like crap. My ears, inner ears are still hurting. But, man, it feels good to be back on the mic. And, man, there's a whole lot in this I didn't get to. I might pick up some more of this stuff over the coming weeks and go in a little deeper on it, you know. But we'll see where it goes. Hopefully I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm on my Last couple of days of antibiotics, y'all. Yo. So y'all say a prayer for me, man. And I've been working a lot as well, getting this money so I can pay this damn tax bill. So pray for me, y'all. Lord knows I need Jesus. <laughs> <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, so I'm going to go ahead and hop off of here. As I said, man, if you want to get a little bit more perspective on why I am the way I am and how I think and view things, order a copy of my book, I Am Pitt's Memoirs of an American Patriot. Go to IamPitts.com. Or, you know, you can also, man, the audio book is out. Go on Audible, type in I Am Pitts Memoirs of the American Patriot, and you can listen to my soothing, sickly, chocolate voice as I read to you the story of my life, man. I say, if y'all have any questions or comments about anything you hear tonight, heard tonight on this long podcast, drop me an email at IamPitts at Yahoo.com. Also, be sure to go to Gunfighter Trading Company and get you some of that great merch they got over there. All right? Don't forget the discount code Pitts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I Am Pitts podcast. Thank you all for tuning in as always. I love you and I appreciate each and every last one of y'all. And I will see you on the next one. <laughs>